Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to another episode of Remap Radio. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and this is episode 22 for October 27th, 2023. Today we are joined by Ricardo Contreras. Ooh, it's almost Halloween. <laughs> we won't have an episode what, on Halloween. Sh- It'll be after Halloween, so we gotta do the spooky stuff this episode. Are you shaking a can? Uh, it's Dude, my water bottle. Weird. I was wondering, I think you're pouring yourself something. <laughs> This ghost like, is I was, thirsty. I was going for a uh, pirate ghost, like underwater. Like I was, I died mm. in like going overboard. So there's water as part of my boot. Like. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't realize we were LARPing. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't think of my OC intensely enough. The only enough. thing left above the waves was a Nalgene. <laughs> Drifting forevermore. Please, thermal uh, We also have Patrick Klapik. Hi. Ooh, I got chills, Patrick. <laughs> I, 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 I gotta insert the Discord spooky music for me there. Put it, put that behind my sure. high. Uh, appreciate it. <laughs> and we also welcome uh, Janet Garcia, critic at Pen to Pixels and prolific podcast personality with Kind of Funny and Min Max. Janet, welcome to the show. Ooh, but I've been dead for ten years. <laughs> Beautiful, perfect. Well, I mean, we are making a recording. I recorded of, this a long time ago. I think it's getting you know, made. At, so at, at the time of day it is uh, that we're making you record this in uh, California time, you know, I mean, that's a little spooky in and of itself. I know, right? I, I was, I am very excited. I've been training to wake up mm. this early for the last few days, and I'm happy to say that I made it. Wait for this, or just like, <laughs> or- <laughs> because, okay, here's the thing. Like, I can't, I have the capacity to wake up early. Like, I used yeah. to teach, like, I, like, and I generally like to wake up early. Like, you get more done. Like, I just feel like I, mm-hmm. it's better for me if I wake up early. That being said, you know, I work, <laughs> I've been working home for a while. I've been freelancing for a while. I'm like, hey, if I go to bed late, I'm not going to, like, wake up early for the clout of waking up early because I still need to get a certain amount of hours, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I really have to be, like, like not go to bed at like 2 a.m. And also to my sleep schedule has been like totally thrown out of whack for the last like couple weeks. And you, I'm like, okay, Janet, like, I'm going to go to bed. You're in a, a safe, you're in a safe place here to like have neurotic sleep habits. Um, <laughs> like I watched is... Loki last night. I caught up. I was like, okay, it's 11. I can still get to bed by midnight. Like it was very meticulously thought out. I was like in bed waiting for my partner to get into the room so I could go to sleep. And when he got in here, I was like, what took you so long? Like I need to go to bed. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so well, that's the good news there is like, story. I remember when you're working at East Coast time, but you're West Coast, uh, you mm-hmm. become the most powerful person. That's uh, the thing. The I'm like, I'm like alert. I'm like, you know, getting the getting the takes out on on Twitter or X early, like before everybody else. Like, it's a good time. You wrap work and you're like, I'm going to go grocery shopping. And everyone's like, how are you even how are you even here at, at Ralph's this early? It's like, you know, just because I've, I've got it like that. Exactly. So looking forward to being on the, the other side of that. Are <laughs> <laughs> you going grocery shopping after this? No, I don't know what I'm doing after this, but I 
I don't know. I might eat breakfast, even though it's it'll be like 10 a.m. But see, that's, my the, partner's that's still asleep. the magic of 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 having that much time is like, ooh, yeah, it could be a second. I mean, if you train yourself well enough, that could be a second breakfast. That's right? the thing. Like, it's the gift of time. <laughs> You've given me the gift of time. Or so you're like, like, I'm ready or you're like, I'm doing intermittent fasting. Uh, behold, behold my power. <laughs> exactly. I, I get, like yeah. just being around. You get credit. So it's like, OK, this is like pretty good. But I had a show yesterday at at eight because I also work on like Midwest time where it's like a mm-hmm. 10 for them. So it's like it's not too bad. But I did have to try when usually I do not have to try. <laughs> how many alarms did you go like how many snoozes? Oh. Um. Honestly, I didn't really snooze. I use a mm. smart alarm. Like I use like this app called Sleep Cycle. Yeah. And it has that 30 minute smart alarm where it finds the best time to pull you out of your sleep. And it like nabs you from the ether. So I don't really snooze. Like I'll, what is, I'll snooze for fun, but I don't how do does it, it for know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, hold on. It's based on <laughs> it's based on the idea of when you're in and out of REM and they can yeah. tell apparently by you moving in the bed. So the microphone's mm-hmm. on all night recording mm-hmm. your like movements in order to. Ooh, yeah. ooh, yeah. privacy. Yeah. I gave all my privacy yeah. for modest think, conviences. I, I don't think it uploads them anywhere. It stays within the app. Yeah, I'm sure. Phone. Yeah. If they do, Hopefully. then I'm fucked. <laughs> but do you idea, use like a similar thing? I literally sleep app, uh, uh, sleep oh. cycle. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, another yeah, one for yeah. the sleep cycle army. Yeah, yeah. it's like the best thing. It's so Wait, good. are they? It's hold the on, only are way they just tra- Yeah, they just training people for an army. Is this actually? Have you revealed yeah. the nefarious plot? Like, they're they're just gonna, <laughs> people getting up at like seven a.m. Sleep cycle activity. Yeah. Because of sleep they're, cycle. Gonna, they're just gonna like win the coup instantly because they're gonna just get up at like six forty-five and we'll be done. Yeah, it'll exactly. just be cooked. When the it government don't... comes for us, they're coming for me and Kato first because they know, <laughs> they know. how often we're coughing at night. Uh, they're too powerful. <laughs> they know when they're we're snoring too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, real quick, Janet, what did you used to teach? I taught English. Okay. Like lit. And like it was so you, you you've done the like zero dark thirty, uh like wake up to like do course prep and such? Oh yeah. Like I've God, I used to teach in Chicago and I took transit to work too. So like I would probably be up at like I don't know, like six thirty at least, probably, to get to school by like first classes at eight. It's like a maybe around an hour for a commute to budget. And then it's like, man, if you got print copies. But I had um, I lucked out because I had either first block on or mm-hmm. off. So sometimes I wouldn't start to like like 930 or something where it's like I come in and I'm like the, the copier is like not being used or anything like that. But <laughs> oh, yeah, damn, luxurious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's like the height. And it, it was great, too, because I also either had first block off or last block off. So I either started late or ended early. So like I had the best schedule. But yeah. And before that, I mean, I used to like back in the day, I would commute to high school too, like in Chicago. So like I when I was like, what, like 14, 15 years old, waking up for school at like 630 in the morning to like trek over to like the north, the north side downtown area. See, Rob, we now finally have someone on the podcast that um can actually say they're from Chicago. I yeah. always have to. The way it always works for me is if I'm talking to someone that doesn't understand Illinois geography, like yeah, yeah, I'll say I'll say I'm from mm-hmm. Chicago. I'm I too would avoid copying yes. and being from Barrington. I'm not from Barrington, so fuck off. I, what, what, what you, go move to Naperville, you piece of shit. Um, <laughs> um, people in Illinois will know what that means. That's damning. Um, but uh, 
but but I I can't I couldn't do that in front of you because you would actually know. Yeah, you said North Side with credibility. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's the the cross I bear or the the flag I wave because I've you know because Greg and Bless are also like from Illinois, so it's like same same deal. Like I'm, yes, I'm usually the only person that's actually from Chicago. We got to start like, our our Midwest media company. That's like the end state of all of this is just to everyone move yeah, back man. home, stop this California nonsense, and like God, the cold come back. Though. The cold. <laughs> <laughs> it is cold. It is. It's going to be forty-four degrees on Halloween. Not Apparently, Halloween. it is colder in Chicago than it is almost anywhere. Because like, I my boyfriend's from Buffalo, and we were visiting, and they're like, "Oh, well, are you from California?" And I'm like, "No, I'm from Chicago." They're like, "Oh, you'll be fine in the cold here because like the cold in Chicago is unlike." A cold almost anywhere. And I was really? like, right? I'm like, I thought I was just dramatic, but <laughs> apparently we have like a cold unknown to the other ends of Earth. I'm curious what the physical manifestation. Yeah, Rob, Rob, I I don't know. Like, I haven't been to Buffalo, but I watched those snowstorms. We had that conversation with somebody who built well, a- I guess that's yeah, the I- thing. Snowstorm doesn't necessarily mean cold. Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. you're heavy yeah. snow when it's yeah. like as as our friend Chris. Uh, the the driveway maestro uh, explain <laughs> like your heaviest snow tends to be like right around the freezing range. Uh, so, I, but I always did just assume that it was going to be bitterly bitterly cold uh, throughout a Buffalo winter. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe Chicago does. Chicago does go into deep freeze. I lived mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, which was uh, ooh yeah yeah like that was some of the worst cold I've ever experienced. Where it was like, and I like the cold. And there were cold snaps that were like, oh, it just physically hurts to be standing outside. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just, like, when your face I, hurts, I hate it. Your hands instantly cramp. Like the, the like pumping gas in like the middle of winter in Wisconsin is just like the worst uh, possible possible thing. Like get like you heat the car, get out, t- like or turn the car off, put the gas in, hop back in. Hope that hope that you've like <laughs> heat boxed the car enough yep. for you to like hang out in there before it all creeps in. And then you hear the ding. So you could go out and, and switch it. The, my, one of my favorites was always when people would move to the Midwest from somewhere else, um, especially warmer climates like, like California and the degree to which it takes for a, um, a snow day to occur in the Midwest has to be just like catastrophic. Like it, it's, it, like their impression of like, oh, like what would it take? Like, that's a lot of snow. Like, we're not going to school. It's like, no, like it needs to be like <laughs> you the get roads. cold days more than snow days. Absolutely. Yes, I've mentioned yes. that, too. And people yes. are always surprised by that. Um, And like, I don't know if they've gotten better, but like when I was in CPS, like Chicago public schools, like we, we I think we got one snow day like in all of time. And it, it sucked because like in elementary school, like they, we had like buses still for like half the kids so like you'd show up but like half the class was gone anyway so i'm like what are we really doing here <laughs> why, why are we, like this is so much extra work and obviously i get like they're like i don't know like half the people won't be screwed out of childcare today or like we'll just keep it keep it rocking but you would always just do nothing with those days anyway uh just wheel out the movie cart and yeah see, see, oh, see, man. Those see i feel old talking about the movie cart though because that's not a thing anymore they're no, not like wheeling tvs Wait, but also but also the it's a projector oh, yeah, every every class has a projector yeah. now. Mm. Oh yeah, like the okay, the thing that like you see in like uh, conference rooms, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every class yeah. is now a conference room. Like all so. the, all the way down. Like my kids in kindergarten, kids starting in kindergarten, they yeah. all have just like the dinky little. I mean, they're not they're nothing special. Like they have to be like awfully close to the screen because there's yeah. those. The, God, the I couldn't handle that. Bright, now. I'd be but, like, I was the kid who was like, oh man, we're watching the longest day, and they got the colorized version. 
<laughs> like that pissed me off so much where I was like, I complained to teacher when the movie cart came out and it was like colorized old movie. And I was like, this movie's a black and white movie teacher. This is, this is in color. And they were like, the, what do you mean? The movie's in color. I'm like, yes, but it's a black and white film. So this you're like backseat colorized. editing this <laughs> film yeah. in like oh second God. grade. So I can only imagine, I can only imagine how like I would react to her in school today. And like, I see the quality of projections happening in these Oh, so you're like, this isn't how Tarantino envisioned it, even though... Yeah. Just, oh, right. like they, don't, they don't have screens. Like, if they're going right onto whiteboards that they're otherwise writing on. What? So, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. there's so, a screen, but... Sometimes there's a screen, but especially the younger ages. No, you're just getting it blasted onto something where you can barely, barely well, see cool the YouTube Well, what's cool about having playing. it on a whiteboard is you could then write... Like, if you're projecting something that you're going to have the kids write on, like right. a worksheet, that then you don't have to rewrite it every time or something like and you don't that, have to bring know? out the um oh, what was that thing called that you would put the worksheets on and then you would write you know what i'm talking oh, about yeah. Like, oh yeah transparency the overhead yeah, and overhead. Yeah. Transparency, yeah. transparency yeah. i think was also a way mm-hmm. a, a, a shorthand yeah, those for gone it, too like, no you still use those okay. yeah yeah but i mean if you it depends on what you teach like if you're teaching math you're using that but like i taught I English, saw- so it's like Look at the sentence. Like, there's, you know, really, it's not the same. <laughs> there's like new high tech ones. It's just a camera, right? But like they have it linked oh, up in a yeah. way that's uh, they're smart. called Elmos, I think. Yeah, or something. Just like, you just the it's Elmo the same light? sort yeah. of thing where you're putting a thing under that has like mm-hmm. its own self-contained light so that you can shine it, but it's not the old giant machines anymore. Okay, there's no there's no rush like a technological failure. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing more terrifying than being asked to go up to. Like do a transparency, like oh come mm. do this math problem. Like no, no, I no I I, I would I, the black. I, there's something different about the like the blackboard. Yep. I could do that, but the transparency. I think it's because of the projection. Like it's so bit and like you know you. I remember I'd go up there and start writing and you'd mess it up and then you're like trying to smudge it out and you've just made it like a thousand <laughs> times worse. Like trying to clean up like it's a, like a ketchup up- stain. <laughs> When you go up, there's like, because it's a little bit darker. So there's a yep. shadow. In that moment, you see yourself for who you truly are. <laughs> and that's the scariest part. The, I'm talking about Alan Wake or transparency. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little bit of column oh, There we go. It's a segue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can, we can, it's finally here. We can, we can talk about it. Uh, we've been playing Alan Wake 2. Ooh. This is not what I was expecting. That's what really? I'll say. <laughs> I, I like I, my guess is the two of you played more than me, but I think there's like an interesting framing to start this conversation that is is similar. I think like hitting on what you're talking about is that I have played almost three hours of this game and I have fought one enemy. Which is not where I expected to be in a game like where a lot of my memory of Alan Wake and not just memory. Go back and play Alan Wake mm-hmm. is just a grind fest f- fighting shadows. And I'm sure there's a lot of that still in this game, but like the opening hours are a murder mystery, like crime, like crime solving yes. endless areas to explore and find locked doors that I need bolt cutters to get later. Where are I can't those wait bolt to cutters? get those. Bo- I haven't gotten them I yet. I'm so excited. The bo- finish dude. There's just the guarantee like that, that, that uh, TV ad appears and he's like, fuck the government. We have bolt cutters. Oh my God. So there's going to be that, like, that's the solution to that quest issue. Uh, You're going to have to go to the finish, the award winning best coffee roaster slash outdoor guide uh, winning, uh, winning uh, store and buy their bolt cutters. Uh, So, yeah. So Alan Wake 2 is exactly 
I think you sort of you've hit on it, Patrick, uh, which is that you might expect having played Alan Wake and then playing Control more recently. Like Alan Wake 2, you kind of know what you're getting into, right? It's going to be like a spooky remedy shooter. You know, we've, uh, you know, it's the type of thing we've seen before. And it is not. It is instead a basically you're launching an episode of X-Files, you know, at the, at the, at the start. Like it is it is like two hours of FBI, like procedural field work uh, investigating a series of ritual murders. You were playing uh, Saga Anderson, a FBI agent partnered with. And this is this is the other thing we get to right away. Like this thing is so bound up in the layers of remedy lore over the years, things that have built up and are like just part of the broader remedy verse. She is partnered with. And I thought like it was just like, oh, they made it. They they put her partner in the game and it looks like Sam Lake is putting himself back in games now because uh-huh. uh, he, you know, he did that. He was the, the face of Max Payne. No, she is partnered with Alex Casey who is the Max Payne character, the star of like basically the, the, the in-universe equivalent of the Max Payne series, uh, a series of detective novels that Alan Wake wrote. And the game comments on the fact like, oh, it's so weird that this guy shares the name for this like famous fictional detective, but immediately you're kind of thinking it's kind of weird that he's there. It's it, it's kind of weird that like this guy has the, the like Max Payne is riding shotgun on this case effectively voiced by James McCaffrey, uh, who was the voice of Max Payne uh, and the voice just of la- layers of just complete weirdness that may not be apparent to you on the surface, especially if Alan Wake 2 is like your entry in here. And maybe the two of you can speak to this further, but um, like I haven't replayed Alan Wake recently. Like I played Control when it came out. This game does not seem impenetrable, despite the fact that it has layers of Easter eggs and appreciation for like a broader Remedy universe. But I don't get the impression, at least in the opening hours, that, hey, if you don't know what happened at the end of Alan Wake, like you're going to be lost and like this isn't going to be interesting. They seem to do a lot of really good table setting that like, hey, this is just it's an Alan Wake, too. But if this is your entryway in. You'll you'll be okay. We're gonna make things make well as much as things make sense in in this universe. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like especially to you know I don't know about y'all, but I, I played Control also when it came out. Haven't touched it since. Loved it. Could I tell you what happened? Not confidently. You know, it's like <laughs> mm, objects you know? of power. Exactly. <laughs> like it's like there's. I, I think they do a great job um, writing for allowing for the high in the deep analysis, but also like allowing you to just consume and get a general understanding and making sure like, Hey, you generally will know what's going on. I also think there's so much weirdness in the Easter egg stuff that they are referencing or the way they're connecting the control universe with Alan Wake that it's not really going to like, if you know about like Ati, the janitor, like I don't have a necessarily different interpretation of the things happening in Alan Wake 2 as a result. It's more like I just have that background understanding. But he's like a weird character either way because that's like (laughs) who he is. Like he never really like made sense on his surface anyway. And that's still true here. It's a key part of the, uh, you know, remedy verse in in the world of of control and Alan Wake. uh, Finns are really fucking weird. 
That's just a that is that is that is the piece of lore you <laughs> need to know. Specifically fins, just fins. Specifically fins. Um, isn't isn't it? It is implied. Uh, mild control spoilers, uh, I suppose. Um, but isn't like implied in control that like that janitor is like a god? god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, he's, uh, he's just a janitor. What are you talking about? Like? <laughs> yeah. I was like trying to scratch back. I was like, isn't it like heavily implied that he's like a Norse god or something like that? Yeah, he like tames the chaos, like breaking yeah. through the breaches into reality and is like, I must go on vacation. Yeah. And like just like walks off into the ether, but like yeah. can talk to you from his uh like from his sauna. Uh it's it's great. He uh, mops the carpet, you know. I will say things. this. I I like as someone who is like has uh, <clears throat> a really long-standing relationship with Remedy Games and has played a bunch of them like multiple times. I actually do feel I'm I'm constantly being deeply rewarded for that for that devotion because I, I will say this: I think the opening hours of this game are way eerier if you do remember a lot of details about Alan Wake mm. uh, because one of the things this game really hinges on a big part of its horror is like what's real? Like is this? Is this how the world was? Is this are things still as they were? Uh, how reliable is your memory? And like the the game has things that will eventually just directly call attention to. Like you meet a character Rose who tells Saga uh, in a really like disconcerting scene. She was like, "I haven't seen you in ages since." Well, what happened with your daughter? And Saga's like, "I don't know who you are." And what do you mean? What happened to my daughter? And Rose <laughs> is like, "Well, your your daughter drowned." And it's like you've been on the phone with your daughter like multiple times this game and like your partners heard these like it's it does not seem to be some sort of like uh, you've been dead the whole time situation. This character just remembers you. From a version of events where like your your kid died on a trip to Bright Falls or something. And she's utterly convinced now she was a character pretty memorably touched by the the big bad in the first game the dark presence uh, and it seems to be the only like vestige of it left in the world but there's there, there are big moments where it's like hey reality seems to be twisting and shifting and your memory of things maybe not is not a hundred percent matching what other people remember as reality uh but throughout in a lot of little details that you would remember like sheriff breaker sheriff breaker is a young woman in alan wake when you meet sheriff breaker here it's like a young man and there, there doesn't seem to be like another sheriff breaker. It's just like the the characters like gender flipped here. And the game doesn't comment on it, right? Like, so no. like it's not it's not as though like you're hitting these moments and there's like a big like flashing like button in the corner that's like this is different than what you, and they're a different. I mean, and I, and I mean to point that out because I think a different game with a different approach would be a little more on its face about it. Like it would be less careful about pointing out like, isn't this a little odd, huh? Player? Like that's not what, I don't think that's what it was like in the first game. Um, and they don't do that here. It seems like my guess is that you are still rewarded as a more ignorant player. where like, this stuff will start to coalesce. Yeah. Even if you're not picking up on these fine details, but as Rob is pointing out, I think there is a great, like layering of rewards based on your memory of remedy stuff. And then how deep that goes to control max pain as they find ways to essentially retcon their universe to be shared in a way that like ends up feeling very natural over, over time. It, it, it sounds like uh, just 
you know, having not touched it, but hearing it, it, it a, a good way to avoid the the thing where you have your um your like player character commenting every time something's out of place, and instead Correct. moving that to just like either you know or you don't, but like those changes are still like worthwhile, whether or not like because when you do the other thing and the player doesn't know, then it becomes like oh you're leaning on this very hard, right? Like you're yeah. like if. If the player doesn't know, but the character knows and says, like, that was weird, and it creates that disjoint, it feels a lot like it kind of falls It falls flat if you're not in the know. So I think this is, like, a better way of doing that, it seems. Yeah, they, they strike a good balance with it. I think it's a, it's a really good example of you make a thing that is easy to onboard into, but also if you've played all the stuff, it's like there's a lot of things that they aren't just Easter eggs. They are, like, contributing to the sense of, like, oh, like, this world is very weird uh from from what it ought to be based on my memory but the other thing that the thing that really does drive home for everyone like how weird things are getting is the investigation you're undertaking uh and there's kind of two elements of this um you're you're brought to you're brought to bright falls investigating a series of grisly ritual murders uh that have happened around the area and the weird part is all the victims are people who disappeared in 2010 when alan wake came out and they've all been like ritually sacrificed. And they also so even though they've been killed in the last couple of weeks, they also show the kind of bloating on a corpse associated with people being left in bodies of water for extended periods of time. Mm. Um, you know, you got Cauldron Lake now fenced mm. off uh, since the events of, of Alan Wake. Uh, the game opens, you, you know, you appear to be one of those victims having just washed up on the shore of Cauldron Lake. Uh, and you have a, a brief moment where you sort of uh, experience one of these people coming back into this into this reality. But you 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 tackle this case uh, through a mix of wandering <clears throat> around. Not an open world, but it's it's one of those. um. It's not hub and spoke. What do you call it? It's like, it's like large level areas. Yeah. Wide linear. That's that's a good yes. term. I, li- I like <laughs> that. Because it's right. Like There are moments where part of the reason I played three hours and only fought one enemy is not because I couldn't have progressed at a faster pace. But like I have found myself both in the area of Bright Falls that you, you get access to early and a place in the woods where you're doing some detective work. Like it's very obvious, like, oh, if I like there's a map, like I could go do X, Y, Z, and that would probably set up the next sequence of events. But there's like a whole area that like there are obvious areas that are fenced off, like they're in red or they're in black. And I bet I can get to those later um, or they'll open up for for X, Y, Z reason. But the game doesn't stop you from just exploring. And there's little bits of story and like really, you know, we'll get to how beautiful the game is. Uh, But like there's so much to look at that. I have found myself just wandering and poking and yeah. prodding um, in a way that I I found really delightful. I was really rewarded for it, and there was always something interesting to find along the way in, in a in a game that, if you want it to be linear, I think you can treat it very linearly. Yeah, and then it's just a matter of, like you said, Janet. I think like like how wide do you want to go as the player, and the game can accommodate. Yeah, and I think um, in in the goal of having an immersive experience, um, Remedy sometimes struggles with um, telegraphing and signposting to a degree. They're very big on like writing in-world signage and there is maps, but the maps are very like realistic and some are easier to navigate than others. Like I think the forest map is very like 
clear cut, but like the subway station map later, I'm like, I'm not opening this. Like, I don't want to. It's like a series of connected tunnels and there's floors and it gets kind of wonky. Generally, I think they do um, achieve that goal of making it clear with just even like the in-universe stuff of their signs on which, you know, the witch's hut is this way and this thing's this way. Um, but what's really cool about it, too, is really just like you said, combing over it really carefully. And if you do that, too, you also just get to know it really well because you've lapped a lot of areas trying to like 100 percent what you can with like the stuff that you have. So I played very much the same way where I'm like, oh, like we're going to meet up in the woods. I'm going to leave you for 30 minutes in the woods and I'm these are my woods now. <laughs> And I'm walking around. I live and I'm, here. I'm feral. I, I I need look. I'm hungry for lunch boxes. Oh and my I gotta gosh! Find yes. them. <laughs> like the the collectibles that a uh, Saga's character you know can uncover. And like I really am just staring at the ground, combing over each section like in a very like in a way that I normally reserve for Metroid games where you're trying to clear the fog on the map. Mm-hmm. Like that's the level of exploration I'm doing, which I I get to some people might be kind of dull, but like I love doing that in games. I find it very soothing and cozy to like comb over an area and try to look for and then you get the thing and it's so satisfying because you're like yes okay they knew it'd be in in this back bush and I found it and what I really like about that too is the way that it loops back into enhancing mechanics um I love story I love lore and this is very much a game for lore people but at the same time like I also love getting you know buffed up for when I do execute combat it's a little bit easier and I love that the lunchboxes lean into gun or weapon upgrades. Like as you find them, you can like exchange them for like filling them. Okay. So they're pieces of paper. You can be like, open a lunchbox. Yes. There's like little like pieces of writing, little bits yes. from Alan, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, yeah, different ones. Have, have you done different... the upgrade yet, Patrick? Have you done an upgrade? No, I've, I think I have like seven so there, there, eight, so. I was wondering like, okay, why are the, you're being paid, your currency upgrade is manuscript pages. And I was <laughs> yes. like, that's a weird, goofy conceit. No, 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 no. When you <laughs> upgrade the gun to have the new buff, a page of the story pops into existence where Alan yes. Wake reads about like, and with her upgraded shotgun, <laughs> yes. Saga yes. felt fucking fantastic yes. after blowing that dude's face off. That is my favorite ten thing ten. because it's, it is so like, um, not funnily written because it's like, I think it's, it's cute. It's like, it's very cutesy. It'll be something like, because there's one that I got, um, you know, I always lean into like what my failures are as a player and yeah. I'm, I'm going to buff this out. So one of them I have is um, like with an enemy, each enemy you kill by a shotgun, you like get more health back. And I'm like, oh, what a good upgrade. Like, I love that. <laughs> and it mentions something like, you know, suddenly Saga was renewed with new energy. She should have been exhausted, but she found herself like strangely <laughs> alert. So I think I really love that. Like, yes. I think what's what's so nice about this game to me is everything is so like meticulously done and done with such like a level of care and detail and everything's placed just so in, in the world and in the writing. How do we feel about the investigation mechanics themselves? Cause you're spending a mm. lot of time. So the, <laughs> like, so there's, there's, there's a major conceit, which is that saga can with the press of the, um, like the, map button the 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 second menu button uh snaps into the mind place it's her version of a mind palace where she solves crimes and she has access to collectibles in the game but predominantly she has a case board where she's creating like a a red string diagram of different cases by matching clues she found in the world putting them with associated cards to like unravel like the next question she's answering 
progress is frequently gated behind this, like until Saga has uh, completed a part of the investigation, something else in the environment will not be examinable. Uh, like she will not have the ability to have the insight, even though occasionally maybe you've run ahead to be like, I know what's going on here. You have to like fill in all the blanks, check the boxes uh, doing this. And there's going to be a lot of these like every time you <laughs> every time you find one of those fucking lunch boxes out in the world, it becomes a new piece of evidence for the yeah. mystery of the lunch boxes left in the woods in Bright Falls. And you match each lunchbox with like where you found it in the world. And that slowly fills it out. Not terribly engaging. And I think that probably be one of my knocks against the investigation mechanic is it's really you're just kind of spoon feeding stuff you already found in the game into a system that feels like it's there mostly to gate progress just to like sort of check. Hey, have you done all this? OK, we'll release you to the next thing. Yeah. It definitely is there. I kind of go back and forth. I agree with you. I think it's like the weakest aspect of the game. Um, I think the game's incredible for like the the vibes, the experience, the story it's telling, the the ways that it's just enjoyable to play. But at the same time, when I sort of like divorce myself from the cool stuff that is happening and look at what I'm doing, I'm like, mm, it leaves a bit to be desired. And I think it's tough because most games just don't do true deduction because it's too hard yeah. to like leave a player to like mess it up. And I do think if they went more like, hey, you figure it out, I'd be probably sitting here being like, I couldn't figure it out or I, I got really stuck or something like that. Like I, that probably would have happened. So I get why they did it, but it is a little um, overly convenient. and It is very like handholdy for kind of everything like even like certain puzzles you'll have to like map it onto like the board of okay well he said the code's somewhere here and okay they told me this thing. and you like map out each exact thing you know there's um a puzzle uh a good chunk through i'm like 10 hours in so it's like fairly into the game where you have to like find like four items and like three yeah. of them are listed on where they are in one isn't listed where it is right. and like saga just magically knows where it is and maybe narratively there's a reason for that later you know maybe well she has magic abilities like, that's fucking you know, clear yeah but like it's not really <laughs> acknowledged it's just yeah. like i'm really good at my job it's like and sure there, obviously it's a paranormal world like something else has to be happening but like 10 hours in i couldn't really tell you anything other than like she's a magic video game protagonist <laughs> why she knows this um and again maybe when i get the payoff it's going to feel like really impactful but yeah. i don't i don't know if that'll offset 10 hours of me being like saga is just like she's like well where where is it i don't know where is it really under the well i think it's under the well <laughs> you know it's a little it's like plot convenient in a way like, yeah the, it's a little the convenient. way the way it works for the um, like we'll often have the yeah. profiling. I think it works pretty well in which it's just the super smart detective. that's like, huh? Like I'm picking up on their vibes. What are they not telling me? And it's so like her doing a leap of logic to deduce certain things, I think feels very natural, even if it's a little eerie and spooky, but I think kind of what you're talking about, Janet is where, yeah, yes. Even if you buy into the fact that there's something going on with her, she has some sort of enhanced, sight ability whatever you might want to call it however the game will characterize it i think there there are times where it works more than it than sometimes it doesn't in terms of like feeling like an appropriate leap for the character and other times where it's just convenient to solve uh, a puzzle and i think for like the the like 
The board stuff, if the aesthetics weren't so strong, I think we would all dislike it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, because what ends up happening is like, it's, it's very uh, fussy, uh, where you essentially have like a deck of cards, like every time you find a new piece of Ooh. evidence uh, or insight, and then you're meant to match that with like a, th- a question on the board, like, what is this writing about? Like, what's inside the body? And then you're taking these cards, these pieces of evidence, and sometimes it's like, man, this card could go here. It just, it can't. Yeah. You don't want it to go there, and it has to go over here. And even just the, like, actual getting the card to, like, magnetize to uh, some different bits is sometimes, it's just fussy. But when it lays down and I see the red, like, string go across yeah. and it pins up, I'm like, ooh, but I, I do, do like think, when that happens. I do think, too, it's useful, like, back to, like, the lunchbox. Because like, you have, like, different case folders, too, where, mm-hmm. you know, you have, like, you know, something like the 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 cult murders might be one or, like, the lunchboxes is one. I do think it's really nice for a convenient and in-universe way to lightly track collectibles in that regard, where it's like, yeah, okay, you can kind of see the spaces for them. So I like that for sure, because I'm not going to lie. I'm praying that the game when the game ends, they give me some magic cape to see everything that I missed. Because I'm not gonna. Find, I know I'm gonna miss something, you know. Like, give me some game nonsense to help with that. Like, I think you need a healthy amount of of game nonsense hidden underneath, like a very thin sheet. And it's like this works for me. I love it. It works. Um, I think with the caseboard too. One thing I did not realize until because I, I previewed this game like in LA, and I also like watched the hands off preview like at SGF. So I've seen a lot of the game prior to getting code. And the thing with the caseboard, you have to put it like directly on top of the on top of the right question it can't just be near yeah. it which was very yeah. unintuitive to me when i first played where like my footage is like just <laughs> my initial footage of this game was like nonsense of me slathering clues near it and i'm like why won't it latch and like and funnily enough like that that part's not like explained so like i struggled with that for a long time once i figured I, no, out I, you are, you are not alone top, like then I, I'm like, okay. I was playing uh, yeah i was like i was playing this game with limited amount of time like before i was going to bed and I spent 15 minutes fussing with this board. I'm like, every minute that goes by that I cannot get this fucking card to attach to this board is like a minute that I can't actually play this game. And once you get like, yeah. once you get a couple hours in, you understand what it's asking of you. But I think it's not really clear. And again, it's more vibes and aesthetic than it is like like underlying, like interesting thing for the player. One thing to do. I want to ask y'all, like, have you guys played Outer Wilds? Yeah. I'm, How do you feel about like the case board here versus there? Because when I think of in Outer Wilds for full transparency, like that's not a game that like I'm in love with. It's a game I mm-hmm. really struggled with. I had my chat walk me through like the weird <laughs> space eggs and the fish and everything. Like I was not smart enough to like latch onto that title. But the further I get out from having played it, I played it like a year or two ago, the more I'm like, damn, Outer Wilds really did that. Because like I feel like their case board allowed for collection and a level of handholding while also offering like a bit of additional deduction. And that's sort of the big comparison point that I have been thinking about, like in the midst of playing this, where this is that, but without allowing any further conclusions from the player. Yeah, no, I know. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's part of it's how the game self identify, right? Like Outer Wilds is a extremely pretty intricate puzzle game, right? In which like, the mecha- like the the way you interface with these puzzles is just like this really cool space simulation. But at the end of the day, like it's a pu- it's a puzzle game, mm. like dressed up in like and I, I mean I don't mean like to, to say dressed up in a like 
uh, reductive sort of way, but like it's it's puzzles that you're solving. And so like the fact that that board then is like leads to uh, additional interpretation, more openness by the player, I think is reflective of like it's big open environment. Mm-hmm. It is a giant space you can be exploring, even if it becomes very small once you realize how you're supposed to be going from point A to point B and the times you're supposed to be doing that. What is Alan Wake? Alan Wake is at the end of the day a survival horror game. And my my guess is as they were putting together this part of it, it's like, well, the last thing we want are people getting stuck on this board. We want they want to get to the next spooky area. They want yeah. to get to the next fight sequence. And I I think you can see that tension playing out in frankly the lack of I think some of the confusion like you and I experienced over where do I put this thing is actually a result of them trying to make it so streamlined that it feels weird to have this big board that seems like I should be able to mess around with and kind of figure out on my own. And actually what I'm doing is just like putting decks on (laughs) on the table and it look like they just happen to lay them out in a, a fancy way. I do I like my favorite touch here is the profiling stuff because this is where you do get the sense of Saga as like magical protagonist because she is able to ask questions of like people of interest in the case but in the in the mind place and what she's accessing is they do not speak like normal characters when she's doing the profiling thing they speak in like these really like weird impressionistic uh, almost like poetical uh, like f- turns of phrase they're completely like you meet you you meet two normies effectively who are like seem to be hiding something, and then you go into the profiling uh, space in the mind place, and they deliver they deliver these like little monologues about what they are concealing in almost like ritualistic terms that you are then able to be like okay I know like they they are hiding something you go back into reality and you say like hey you found you you found something didn't you. But it's kind of cool because, like, it also kind of seems like Saga's tapping into the, in the profiling mode, characters almost talk a bit like uh, the Taken did in Alan Wake 1, which is kind of neat. But it's one of the, it's one of the cooler touches where it's like, uh, I think if it were just the case board and it's just like this paint by numbers investigation stuff, it'd be, it's a good presentation. I think it's a l- little bit dull. Some of the more paranormal aspects to your investigation, the fact that you can sort of divine secrets from people uh, based on, you know, what what Saga can accomplish in her in her mind places is neat. I was kind of dig that like once paranormal things begin happening, we don't have the X-Files situation of like there's a scully there being like, did we really see a guy <laughs> who emerges every 70 years to kill people? Did we really see that? I don't think we did. Uh, the minute some weird shit happens, your partner's like, hey, that was some really weird shit. Did you see that guy come back to life and like kill all those people? And like, hey, sure did. That, did did, that, both did that, that person right? literally just disappear in front of us? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I agree. Because like they do kind of it does feel like it's going to set up. I like, got a Mulder and Scully dynamic. Um, you know, they're in FBI, clo- like the whole thing. And I actually appreciate it. They sort of buck. You know, obviously, he your partner's got some other things going on, uh, and that I'm sure get stranger as as the the story goes on. I'm I'm still too too early to say, but I appreciated that that they didn't have like the supernatural and the skeptic because uh, that would have been an easy kind of glove for them to to fit on, and it still would have been fine. But it was still neat to just have two people like, well, that that was pretty fucked up what happened in that morgue a minute ago, wasn't it? <laughs> woo! That morgue woo, scene woo, woo. though, that morgue. that morgue scene is in- well, and I think the the I think that speaks to like a really important difference here um 
Alan Wake is, it's not not a horror game, but there are different levels of terror. Um, Alan Wake 2, from what I have played, is a through and through horror game. It is trying to scare you. It is actively attempting to get, like, Alan Wake 1 is spooky um, and it's scary. (laughs) And and granted, we're 10 years, like 11 years out, right? So technology is going to progress in a way that makes it hard to remember what was it? What did it feel like to play Alan Wake at the time? But that's a game that's more like fun, scary, um, fun tense. Alan Wake Two is scary, scary. Like oh, like fuck, like like really on nerves, energy. And I'm I'm curious for both of you if that continues in like the hours that 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 you're past me. It, Jenna, you play more than I am. I'm curious yeah, what your it, what your view is. I don't find it to be that scary. Like, it is definitely okay. a, a horror game. Like, in the way, I think your comparison to, even though I only played a little bit of Alan Wake 1 because I started it and was like, I think I've seen what I need to see. <laughs> I was going to do it. I love wow. like, the, the vibes of the asshole writer, but, like, I did not like the mechanics. You know, it's an older game, too, so it's like. It is, yeah, 11 years, and, and it wasn't a top-tier action game when it came like, out. I was like, okay, like, I think I'm all right. I'm going to come back later, so. <laughs> I was like, all right, you got a flashlight. It's hard to control. Okay, let's keep going. But, you know, so. <laughs> Rob's slowly just crying in the corner. As Janet tears apart Alan Wake's mechanics. Look, was you know, game. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like, it, it is an interesting game, but I'm like, the act of playing Alan Wake 1, I'm like, isn't that enjoyable? Which is a tough one. It's a game. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. But, <laughs> so See, Alan Wake 2. This is funny because like, it's like, Patrick, like literally, the the issue with Alan Wake has always been it's not that good a game. Like that's the whole yeah. that's yeah, the yeah, whole yeah, issue. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. game's kind of yeah, like yeah. we know back. we gave it our best shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Here you go. I know, but yeah. So um, with Alan Wake two, it is definitely scary. Like it's a horror game for sure. But like it, as someone that's kind of like a scaredy cat, like I don't find it to be too scary. And maybe I'm just getting a little tougher than like some people might be, but it's not. Like the morgue scene, yes. Like when they're like, okay, now leave the light. I'm like, nah, what if we stay here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're like, your gun's in the hallway, now? go get it. And I'm, I'm, it's so funny because like the room is very like, again, these areas are small. So it's like, there's two doorways in the morgue and they're like, your gun's in the hall, go get it. And I'm like, which one's the hall? Is it the one on the right? <laughs> if I pick the wrong one, I don't know. You know, so there are stress points. You know, I got to a point um, playing the other night where like, I hit a point in the game where it's like, you know, it's it's looping. It's it got really paranormal. So I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm stressing out like I think I'm good. But and there are like little jump scares and things, too. But you get to, you get used to, I think, how the world does its jump scares where it's like this reality, like cut shot of screams in black and white. Like after you after that happens, like once or twice, you're like, that's a thing that can happen. And it's not quite that scary i need to turn my sound down but beyond that like ha- okay yeah with the with ha- and two i also am plagued by like having seen a lot of marketing and done a lot of the preview cycles where i'm like oh this is the mission i did before this is the mission they should you know <laughs> but that being said i think the thing that that makes it a little bit more chill in terms of scare is that there are a lot of sections where like there just aren't kind of like you mentioned patrick with even just those first three hours like there's not a lot of enemies like it's not a dense world like there are definitely spikes like if you're entering into like a kind of bossy sequence there things might kick up if you're in maybe like a new area or something goes down like there's you know a few waves of enemies but also like for the most part once you clear enemies they're kind of gone sometimes they do respawn depending on certain circumstances but it's not like 
you know, I think <laughs> weird comparison, but like I'm playing Kingdom Hearts one for the first time right now, a I'm game sorry. where whenever you go over an area, if you leave and turn around, they're like, they respawn back in. And like, it's constantly like, if you're going over the same area multiple times, you are fighting waves and waves and waves of enemies. Alan Wick two, isn't like that. Like, you might hit what like it, you know, in uh, an early mission, you go to this place called Coffee World. It's a coffee themed amusement park. Um, it's awesome. It's definitely scary, but there's not really a lot of enemies. Then there are, and then you kill them, and then they're just there's there aren't anymore, you know? So I don't traverse with a lot of fear the way I might even in like a Resident Evil, even a more action-y Resident Evil, where I'm like, well, there's still gonna be enemies or things jumping out at me. There's not as much jumping out at you like there's more jumping out at me in like lies of p you know again this is like a, a souls <laughs> game with like horror elements you know so it's like i think there's a good amount of downtime which i personally really like in survival horror like i like being i'm like hey that the scares are cool but what if we like walked around an ornate house for a little while you know what if we just <laughs> walked in the woods without a care like n- there definitely are times where something can jump out at you but i think they take their foot off the horror gas long enough where you can be like okay i think i'm kind of cool to just sort of be around. But um, that being said, I'm not done yet. And I am, you know, they showed uh, some gameplay from like the Xbox thing from yesterday and like that double lake woman. I'm like, I've never seen this woman in my life. I don't want to see this woman. I don't know what's going to go down when I see her, you know? So there's definitely more to be, you know, said for that, but I don't find it to be like, if you're not that into horror, but you can like handle a little bit, like I don't think it's too scary of a game to play. Yeah. I think, um, Compared to Alan Wake 1, it's a it's a much scarier game for sure. I think well, Alan Wake 1 thinks it's scarier than it is, right? It's like, uh, oh, no, here come the loggers again. And you shoot a bunch of like loggers or uh, hikers in tracksuits and you move on. Uh, this one. The encounters, I think, are aimed to they're aiming to make those encounters a little more memorable, like the, like basically in my view, they've also taken a. In Alan Wake, effectively ammunition bordered on unlimited. Like they gave you so much ammo at regular intervals. They reset you at the start of every level to control like what weapons you had access to and and how much ammo. But like batteries, ammunition, like you always had something in in Alan Wake 1 and usually you had plenty of it. Here, they've gone in a very resident evil direction. Uh, sort of the tell is there in the interface, the way things populate the interface, the way you unlock more space in the interface, bigger items take up more room. So, you know, there's sort of the, uh, you know, encumbrance issue. I haven't hit any issues with encumbrance, but like it's sort of implied that at a certain point, like some weapons will come at the cost of like some healing items you be able to carry. Though they've been bombarding me with, more storage so i don't know maybe maybe it's all a, a fake yeah <laughs> you've not hit like there's no it's i don't know it's i definitely don't think it's as um strict as resident evil is with yeah. um ammo um i think i think it helps that you have like so many tools because you have like that environmental light aspect where it's like i can just stand in here for a second but um because i'm i'm emptying my clips six ways to sunday in this yeah. game like i am just like tearing <laughs> people up and i think they do uh you know, all that aside, too, I think they do a good job for when they know you need it. They're like, and now here's a conveniently placed like additional ammo or like enemies don't normally drop ammo. But like in a bossy encounter, they might yeah. because they're like, well, you need to be able to beat this section of the game. Um, I am about I'm now 10 hours in when I was like maybe eight or so is when I first like you have, um, you know, safe rooms in a very classic yeah. like Resident Evil style. You save 
by walking up to a thermos to do your manual saves in these rooms. And that's also where you have your storage, which is a shoebox. Um, I didn't start using that until like eight hours into the game where I'm like, I finally have too many things. And that was honestly mostly just because I got um, a crossbow that takes arrows and I like never shot it. So I had like a lot of arrows and I'm like, okay, I have to finally unload some of my things. Um, So yeah, it's not, it's not too bad with that. I feel like in terms of like, I don't, it's not something that I find myself thinking of too often. I do think the flashlight batteries um, is the main thing I run out on. And then that's when things get really dicey because I'm like, okay, well now I can't really like do as much as I could with like my weapons. And then I do end up kind of running around. Um, But I think the game also definitely offers a way for you to lean into whatever play style you want. So again, with like the upgrades, there's one that you can get is Alan. That's like enemies are less likely to see you. So I think if you do want to play this as a, ammo conservative you could but like i'm unloading my clip and everything personally <laughs> well yeah it's um when they've in, they've given you more cause to do that because you know again ellen wake one you hit the enemies with light until they were vulnerable to guns and then you shot the shit out of them it didn't really matter like you just you just blow them away at that point now a lot of the enemies it's you hit them with the light to expose a weak point mm-hmm. frequently not in the place you normally shoot them uh there's like the most basic enemies have the weak point center center mass uh but you start running into guys who only have a weak point in the back so you kind of got to figure a way to get around them using dodge uh and then once you sh- once you shoot the weak point now they're now they're set up for the kill and like it, it seems like headshots are the way to go there so you have the multiple like you'll want to change points of aim pretty frequently and the aim assist is not super generous helping you do that so when you got someone bearing down on you, it's real easy to be like, this pistol, this pistol carries like 17 rounds and all of them are going into your chest, man. <laughs> and you finish, you kill one monster and you're like, I have four shots. Yeah. For, for all, like, that's it. Four, I, can sh- I can shoot a gun four times and then that's it. I think too, uh, one of the challenges is the reload is um, like the animation gets interrupted if you dodge when you're reloading. So mm. it's really hard to reload in a sense because you have to have enough space to create the time to complete the animation, which I think with Saga's pistol is not too bad at all. The shotgun's a little rougher. Alan Wake's revolver, like, I'm going down if I have to reload that thing. He takes forever to, to get it reloaded. So I think that's also, like, another layer that somewhat de-incentivizes de- a more action-y play style. Like, it's something you have to be aware of because it's not like you can just... And again, you can lean into upgrades that help buff that out but it is like a combat challenge that they present to you which is i think fine because it's not a terribly difficult game so i think the fact that they introduce a couple friction points in terms of the combat is enjoyable um oh that and then just how freaking fast all the enemies are where they're like zooping around in a really like horrific way and you're kind of just like whipping your head around trying to figure out like where they're gonna kind of crop up next and you know i think they give you like a fun tool set for that too with like the flares and like the ways that you can like use those to like maybe suss out enemies or like pause the action so um it's a it's a fairly enjoyable tool set um yeah i like i think it's i think it's uh <clears throat> i think remy's always been great at making like almost pure shooters like control was much closer to max Payne in that regard where it's just like you're you know what so, you know what feels good walking into a room full of bad guys with an automatic weapon and just like wreaking havoc. That feels great. Remedy's great at that. 
that's not necessarily a horror game vibe very often where it's like, oh, you're being menaced by ghosts and you can kill them with an Uzi. That's not that, that's not really that's not going to that's not going to sustain the horror. Uh, I don't I don't think Alan Wake one found a way to make the combat feel like it was fully contiguous with a horror game. I think they've come much closer here uh, and they, they're they definitely taking cues from stuff like Resident Evil or Evil Within. But they're just not as hard as those games. And I think yeah. the, the part like. And I kind of wish maybe they were because I think that makes it the reason those games get so tense is in part because they're 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 really great at like building and sustaining tension. But the tension is also sustained by the fact that like there's a lot of times you don't feel like getting in a fight will be a good thing for you. Yeah. And Alan Wake, most of the time, it feels like you can handle the next thing, whatever it might be, Um, especially once you sort of realize that you'll get really low on ammo sometimes. And then somehow a few more shots will just find their way back into your pocket <laughs> right before the next encounter. Well, I think it wants to have, and I think this, you know, the idea that the game has, in theory, an inventory limit, but not one that creates a real friction point. And here you have, uh, in theory, uh, like, I'm counting my bullets, but you're not actually. And so I think a lot of what Alan Wake is doing is putting on a survival horror costume yeah. to give you, like, the sense of like yeah. what these kind of classic Resident Evil style games are doing so that you can kind of go into that headspace, but, but the actual game they've constructed, and this probably changes it. High, you know, I think they've said they're going to introduce like a nightmare difficulty in an update, you know, after launch, like as you scale the, the enemies might, you can probably create those friction points to be more friction. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about, uh, you know, a game we've talked about on here before Signalis, um, which is a game that is very classic resident evil in which you feel the squeeze on the inventory management to a degree that, uh, even as someone that really loves those types of games, I found it to be frustrating how often I was going back through rooms, not doing fights because I had limited ammo to get back to a box so I could get this key that I didn't want to. And, and it's interesting because they act last night, they announced an update. There's like, we are just going to let you, you can actually just change the inventory box as though it's like a difficulty slider. Like how big Mm. you want that fucker to be. Um, And that's a game where they're really putting an enormous amount of friction on the player moment to moment where you're, you're actively thinking about it here. It seems mostly like an aesthetic trapping. Like we want it to feel like a survival horror and put you in that mindset we're not actually going to like grind away at you in yeah. the way that those games when they are at their like most uh, like structural, like there's just more happening to the player. Like, I mean, Rob, you played through Resident Evil two earlier this year, or at least a chunk of it. We played Resident Evil one together. Played through it one on and a half times. Honestly, I need to go back and finish <laughs> the Jill playthrough. Uh, right. Yeah. But like, those are games where, uh, what you know, what you're speaking to, you feel a lot more moment to moment. I mean, you were stressing over having missed a gun in Resident Evil 2, and it ended up being fine. There was plenty for you on the other side, but like the fact that you could even experience that speaks to the level that that game is operating at. That Alan Wake 2 seems, at least on its default difficulty, uninterested in, and not to its like fault. It's just the nature of the the game they built. It seems like it works totally fine for what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah, and and there, you know. Something that I think Alan Wake has going for it that is that a lot of the not a ton of other games right now do match is uh it's a really pretty 
uh, horror shooter. It is a really like in terms of pure vibes, just go out in this world and like just soak it in. Uh, Alan Wake 2 feels pretty great at being the like the walking sim parts of it are first rate. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a really fun world to be in. I think Remedy in general, and and I really have only vibed with Control. I just haven't really played a lot of their other stuff. But I think they just do such a great job at the aesthetics and just like the detail of everything. It's like, yeah, it's like if yeah, this really is if Life is Strange was was scary and had paranormal stuff, <laughs> like in the best way possible. Like the detailing that I get in the town of I gotta forget the name of the town for True Colors, but like same vibes, but like scary, which is yeah, it cool. does. I, the original Life is Strange is what Arcadia Bay, yeah, um, and I, and I, I forget what it is. is in True Colors, but you're but you're right that there is the same sort of sleepy like evil there's underneath a, there's the a surface jukebox, and it's like yeah, oh, you know, yeah, and if you yeah. know, you know, it, like yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you're, you know, your point earlier about the game uh, being careful about how it respawns enemies probably speaks to something that, look, they, they're not building a connected universe. Like, people care about these worlds in a way that, Robin, you and I were playing Max Payne, even Control, when they started flirting with this idea. It's just not something that was top of mind for Remedy. They were building different types of games. They weren't thinking about these spaces in that way. And I think once you arrive at Alan Wake 2, which is essentially remedy crystallizing these worlds talk to each other there's going to be further consequence i'm sure that the remakes of max Payne one and two that are coming in the next couple of years will despite being owned by take two will also tie in more meaningfully in ways than those original games did people care about the spaces and so by removing the enemies removing threats it allows players to explore be in those spaces in a way that you just can't if you're worried that well, I've been doing this for three minutes. That means that like another yeah, like yeah, like enemy has spawned. So I'm not. I don't want to spend time finding another node around the corner. But you might do that if it's like, whoo, like we're good. Like everyone's gone. Like I'm not gonna spend 45 minutes finding everything. Yeah. And the game rewards you for for doing that to the degree that that you want to. Yeah, and I think that's that's really what its strength is, and like what it like leans most heavily on. Um, Rob, I really like you bringing up the the survival horror like comparisons and what why there isn't as much like tension in a sense in Alan Wake 2 because I think that's my only disappointment if you want to call it that it's kind of what for me it leaves me wanting a little bit more but what I already have is more than I get for most games so I'm kind of like fine with it like it's secret sauce really is the general experience that you're undertaking the surreal stuff happening the it's it's a it's a visual and narrative feast of a game yeah. it's like a very artsy game and i like love that stuff so i'm like hey if so what if it's not like like i wouldn't put it on par with like re2 but like that's fine you know it's like it's a different kind of game and i think it is so unique in what it's doing like there's not a game like this that i've played and I don't know when I'll play something like this again. Right. Um, so I'm really enjoying my time with it holistically. I'm saying it's, I'm like, like, mm. it's like it might be the best game sort of like this since Evil Within 2. Is it as good? No, of course not. Like, but but it's like a similar kind of vibe in places and it's really well executed. The other thing is uh, I am shocked how well it runs. Uh, like it is 
I, it was like, like looking at it, I was like, this game's going to be unstable. Just it was so it was so pretty. I was like, frame rate is going to be all over the map. Like I'm going to I was like, I turned on those lighting options. And I was like closing my eyes. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. It's going to be one of those things where your character like turns 90 degrees and your system just hangs. And it's like, OK, I can't can't do that. And it's been really, really stable. Um, And like the thing I'll say is like. Even with like a really good gaming PC, like usually you'll still get the dips, right? You might dip to still like a higher frame rate, but like the it's just not going to be stable uh, if it's if it's not like super mm-hmm. well well optimized. Uh, here it's been pretty rock solid, and uh, like that has that has taken me back. Usually, a game like this, I feel like I'm having to choose between: Do I want those beautiful god rays? being cast through the interior of the motel, catching little motes of dust and all that. Do I, do I get that? Do I get that delicious little treat? Uh, or do I get a game that is like functionally playable uh, when stuff begins to happen? And here uh, it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of a, a place where I don't feel like I have to choose. Um, and so I think that's the, that is the other part is like remedy games. I think starting with control, especially have tended to be like in their way, graphics uh like powerhouses and this is kind of keeping that up in in what what looks to me like a more challenging type of environment you know like control it's all beautiful boarded concrete and like diffuse lighting coming from all over the world here it's like we are shooting sunlight through deep forests horizontally and everything is dappled uh and it still just kind of works um i'm curious like have y'all like had similar experiences or have you seen a little more variability? I'm on PS5 um, and a little bit more variability. I think it's, I definitely am happy to see that like this game runs and it runs well because I played control luckily on PC and I was like, this is great. It's a little like rough around the edges. And then I know the console version at launch was like really like struggling. So I'm, I'm happy that they got through this pretty cleanly from like what I've heard from everybody. But I, I have had a couple a oh, one really dramatic frame rate dip. I'm like playing in performance mode, like, you know, mm-hmm. but um, a couple times where I'm like, is this looking funny or is it just like because it has film grain, grain effects? Not sure. And then a couple like weird like hitches, but also, you know, mind you, I'm playing. I was playing pre-launch as well. So right. it's like maybe some of that I'll get smoothed out. Um, really small stuff like, t- uh, but a little bit scary for progress because like I've had times where it's like there's a a travel system between like the areas where you just fast travel through the car and like i like hit like okay i'm let me go to bright falls or wherever and then it's like i don't think this is a load screen you know it's just like it's just like a dark you know thing and i have to close <laughs> the whole game um but that that's only happened maybe two or three times well which i'll admit is two or three times more than usually but not I, i'm not yeah. too worried about it um but i wonder that has, if that is that was a, my experience a little bit i wonder if that is a um online feature because i had a similar thing happen and it was my connection had dipped uh my internet connection had dropped briefly and i think in that flicker it just lost the ability to like cloud sync and apparently its solution Mm. was to just not save like five minutes of progress which is like not the biggest headache in the world but like it was a really tense moment like a chapter you hit the you hit the end of the chapter needle drop and you're like yes bring it on and then it's like dark screen nothing one thing too, like one small nitpick I have with 
because it has that. I mean, it's auto saving in addition to having like the yeah. save system of like the manual saves. But and it tells you when it's auto saving. But <laughs> like there are times like I think the breaks are really like great. And I love like the pacing of the story. But like there'll be like a chapter break and it's like, OK, next chapter. And I, I, load, I get into the chapter and I'm like. Is there a room I can go to? Like, does anyone else need a cup of coffee? Because I want to do the same. Like, Alan where Wake one the, was like this too. The save where- point and the yes, it's like dis- it's like misaligned. Like the save where when you can manually save and when you feel like you should manually save in terms of chapter breakage is like a little funky. But like again, not a big deal. But I'm like, I'd love to be able to man as a neurotic person. I'm like. Could I manually save before I close this? Or do I have to wait? But then I'm like 10 minutes into the next chapter and that's like a little awkward. Yeah, I um, I don't understand why a game has chapter breaks and then doesn't give you the option to be like, let's close this book for now and go back to main menu and you can like take a break. Uh, it seems like such a good place to to build that device in. Um, and yeah, it's it's kind of frustrating. Um, yeah, like Patrick, like all pretty good, pretty decent experience for you so far. Yeah, I haven't had any issues on. Yeah. I was playing on PC uh, as well, um, and it's just it's just gorgeous. Like yeah. it feels. I know there's been, been some. I understand the anxiety for folks on the PC side. I think this game basically will not be all all that playable on like the uh, like 1080 lines of of like Nvidia cards. Um, but like that's old. I I get it. Seven years, like like that that line that 1080 served me. I had that card for a very long time in my machine before before I upgraded. Um, but I will say I it feels like a next gen game for whatever that's worth in an era where like we don't really get leaps like that anymore. I'm not saying it feels like some sort of generational leap, but the lighting is just a stat. Like it's just so gorgeous to look at. Like you can le- you can see the tech on display. And that's often a mixture of tech and lighting and art. And that's like the weird part of the generation of like games we live in where like you can't always tell the di- like what's actually realizing this to look so good and so i i can't pull that apart necessarily i'll leave it to digital foundry to do the math yeah. but all i know is it's one of it's one of the most gorgeous games i've ever seen and it makes it's part of what contributes to the slower pacing yeah. is just you want to look at everything now and i feel like i'm playing I, the ugly version because i feel like i'm playing a regular game on console <laughs> i mean it looks good it's not it's like a good looking game and the art direction is gorgeous but i'm like yeah, I feel like you guys have seen God, and I'm just like seeing a game. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I think to some degree it might also be like Rob and I have been playing Remedy games for so long. They have a certain look, they have a certain style that has been consistent across, even though they've made very different games. Like the difference between a Max Payne and an Alan Wake is vast and also not that different. Um, and I think it's just in some ways it's an appreciation for seeing their particular style and approach achieved at this fidelity like just remedies house style has never looked better and it looks incredible here actually though before we go i do have one is just a small complaint but something i've noticed the way they present Mm. this game and your field of view and all this is at odds with the sheer amount of time you were in confined interior spaces and looking around at things like this is a game you're very tight in over the shoulder for extended periods and that can work pretty well if the world is open enough that there's like lots of room to maneuver and such. But like, boy, every time you go into a house to explore, you're hanging out in a building in Bright Falls, you're just like whipping that camera around in like big circles, like mm. looking down. It's like very um, 
it's like I am not prone to motion sickness, like playing video games. And there are moments I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get a headache uh, doing mm-hmm. this. It's just like one of those things where sometimes this kind of presentation uh, can be a little bit like there's places where this this perspective and field of view works really, really well for like combat and like looking around. But then you get into a place where it's like there's this one cabin uh, in the woods that like the FBC is operating out of. It's all these tiny, it's a very realistic cabin. So it's a tiny shitty little bathroom and a tiny shitty little bedroom. And you go into these spaces and it's like maneuvering your character around them is surprisingly tricky and involves like nothing but like really drastic, like swings of the camera. So that's the, that is, that is the one thing that sometimes you run into with, uh, with this, increasing emphasis of like the tight over the shoulder shot for video for like uh video game protagonists uh and it's the one thing that i don't love the other thing is uh, i feel like you never see saga's face when she's interacting with people which is I, I, like that didn't yeah <laughs> with control they would cut to right. a two shot and you always see jesse talking to the person mm. and here you stay over saga's shoulder but she's the one doing the performance. Like she's the prime actor mm. in the scene and you're like staring at her FBI windbreaker. I guess it's cause Jesse would always like, she'd sit down in that room with that one guy or yeah. whatever, or one woman. I forgot. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The little <laughs> dialogue like, I don't sequences. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's why, but yeah, I never, I didn't really, I didn't think about that, but you're not wrong. Um, and I think they might have mocked that like person's face that. and they can't do that with Alice Casey. Cause like, it's, it's, it's <laughs> Sam Lake's render. <laughs> I've just been like walking around. I do. I guess the conversations are a little bit less like, I don't know, pretty to look at in that sense, because like I'll be talking to like my like uh, colleague and then I'll just start roaming around like doing that game thing where I'm like, can I turn and start spinning <laughs> and just, yeah. ver- you know, kind of break it a little bit. But yeah, it's not as um. I think their big cinematic moment for her is just that um the interrogation stuff that we talked yeah. about or the profiling where it's like that's when you get the shot of her and she's sitting there thinking. But yeah, it's not like. It, you, the performance isn't shining there, which I yeah. guess I didn't really think about until you brought it up. Anyway, um, I'm sure we'll have more to say once we've all wrapped it uh, and we we get a sense of where this is all headed. But like, you know, look, you're not going to get an objective point of view from me. Like I'm in this predisposed to be like, hey, any new remedies, good remedy. And sometimes that's demonstrably probably not true. But I'm always like, look at this banquet. <laughs> hey. No, I think I think you're quantum I think break you're me on, off I think a piece of that game. <laughs> <laughs> one one last thing, did you? Uh, this was a revelation for me. I maybe it is not for others, but that Sam Lake's last name isn't Lake. Is it Ocean? What is it? I, it's well, I don't want to. <laughs> well, well uh, done, Cato. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the word. <laughs> it's th- this is his actual last name mm. um, in huh. in Finnish um, oh. and. Uh, this is from Axios, but when reporters struggled and remedies uh, run with getting his team's finished name, last names right, Sam, uh, Sam Lake, Sam Jarvie, uh, uh, for, for, for lack of a better pronunciation, switched to a pseudonym that has proved real enough. That is, some, there's <laughs> no, something the about is, that. The lore is going too far now. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> oh, I, right. that's like, that's like even cooler. Like the fact that like credit is Sam. I mean, it's not like it's incredible. Just it makes Remedy like an even cooler studio. Even if this is actually just these dumb English motherfuckers can't just like learn how to pronounce my last name. And so I had to change it. No, that's, that's. 
yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. I'm excited to finish it. And I'm also excited because I think because I'm the furthest along, right? In the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a point that I played last like the last time I played and I was like kind of, you know, pedaled to the metal a little bit with this game because Cody came in really late. And I'm like, I want to be able to just like talk about it as much as I can, like before, you know, in that little window. So I'm like, OK, like I'm going to keep playing, you know, do one more session. You know, it's not too late at night. Let me keep going. I got to a point um, with Alan Wake, like the character, where I did this like one sequence and I'm like, this is the best thing I've played all year, like this specific sequence. And I'm so excited to see one, if there's more of that kind of stuff and two, for other people to get there. It's not quite at that high of the, um, you know, the astral maze, because like, mm-hmm. what can anything be better than the astral maze? I don't think right, so. Right. <laughs> but it had astral maze energy. And I'm like, man, they love doing this kind of thing. And I love <laughs> to see them do it. And it's so cool. And like, I, I'm really excited. I think it's going to, that's definitely like my highlight of the year. Like this is, it's a, this is a game I definitely have like critiques of, but like the highs are so specific and delicious. So I'm excited for more. Uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more time. I'm like, I would have, I'm, it's killing me. I didn't get as much time as I, as I wanted to. Uh, We had some like, one of the dogs got very, very sick. Uh, And then the, and then we had to keep it like very quiet and low key for her so i was like i will okay i will play a strategy game for a couple hours here while this dog sleeps <laughs> next to me instead of alan yes. wake 2 uh because i don't want i don't want those those freaking like cuts with the screaming to come in and like startle startle also, my dog. when you die the game over screen is so graphic <laughs> it's just like a body it's like you laying there like if you die as oh, alan, you're like laying there dead and it's like black and white like and it's Die is Alan and tell me that that's not like some of the most graphic things you've ever seen. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna, <laughs> now I'm gonna have to do that on purpose. I'm gonna get that guy killed uh, after yeah. after the show. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will talk about Spider Man. One of the most normal morning routines is a bowl, some milk, some cereal. What (laughs) changes as you get older is you might want to modify what you're putting into that bowl with the milk. If you suddenly want to cut back on sugar or you want to add more protein, you're thinking about fitness goals, but you don't want to give up the deliciousness of what you're putting in that bowl, you might want to think about Magic Spoon. Uh, Because with Magic Spoon, you get all those flavors you love, high protein, less sugar, and as someone with kids, the idea that I can show them that these cereals can have all of these things and you can think about what's in your body every morning seems really good. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack of four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy free. And look, you put peanut butter in anything, I'm there, which is why that's my favorite one and I'm hiding it from my children. You can go to magicspoon.com slash remap to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code remap at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash remap and use the code REMAP to save $5 off. Thanks to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. 
Hey, Remap Radio listeners, Rob here. You know, the time was I'd come up with a meal plan for the entire week, and then I'd trawl through the grocery stores, making sure I had everything I needed, right on budget, to make those home-cooked meals. Unfortunately, times have changed, and speaking of time, I don't have quite as much of it as I used to. You know, there's a podcast empire to be overseen. But I can't just order fast food and pizza delivery every night. My budget, and unfortunately my increasingly delicate stomach, won't allow it. Fortunately, for folks in the same boat as me, there's Factor. Factor gives you 35 options each week to make meal planning easy. And not just for dinner. They have breakfast foods and snacks covered as well. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious but it's just as convenient delivering the food you need right to your door. And now, if you head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off, that's right, That's code remap50 at factormeals.com slash remap50 to get 50% off. And now you can head to factormeals.com slash remap50 and use code remap50 to get 50% off. That's code REMAP50 at factormeals.com slash REMAP50 to get 50% off. And we're back. Uh, Now, I guess we already covered the biggest game of the fall, but some other stuff has come (laughs) out as well. Uh, and s- some folks have, have been, have been playing it. Uh, some folks haven't like b- set their time, s- just b- blocked out the calendar for, for Alan Wake two and total war Pharaoh. Uh, <laughs> so they've been playing <laughs> Spider-Man two. Uh, yeah, both Janet and I have been playing a Spider-Man two Janet, uh, out here. I, I platinumed it. Um, yeah. you know, like, um, <laughs> God damn! Just really. So I'm the Wait, one that really I, I played it. That. Patrick I just turned it on. Thread. Good God! <laughs> yeah, no, like it's, when I asked, like, "Hey, Janet, what have you been playing?" And like, oh no, we can't invite someone on this podcast <laughs> that plays games this much. It's gonna, it's gonna create like Rob. We've spent years fine tuning this audience and their expectations for how long we play games. You're lucky I didn't get that Alan Wake code earlier. I'll tell you what. I was beaming through that thing. I know. She came on she's like, I planned a Spider-Man 2 and beat Alan Wake and Robin are like, I don't know, we played like two hours of it. There's key context here. There's key context. You were a guides person, right? Yeah. So like... That doesn't actually make it better. It just means so you're just a better gamer else, than we yeah. are. Like, it's, it's just like, it's, it's just, I've seen so, things that people shouldn't have to see. I've lived, I've lived many lives. Yeah. Uh, like the point, the point is, Patrick. This is this is effectively like an athlete showing up to yeah the, to the like, track. Yeah. The, the, oh, am I like the to, yeah, the, to the, like jerk the company at the baseball game? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I'm like ex NBA. I'm like, oh, I actually play ball overseas in the summertime. <laughs> I platinumed it. Patrick <laughs> just turned it again. on. Yeah. 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 No, I've lived 25% of it. So the percentage meter says in the corner, which is not necessarily 25% of the way to a platinum. Hey, that man. Would, that would require 25 more. is not even sneeze at. No, but yeah. So. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> but yeah, Spider Man 2. Uh, I. Uh, I quite liked uh, the first one. That was one of my favorites. That that uh, when uh, the year that that came out, we talked about it very briefly last week. When I only uh, some of us didn't get code early, Janet. You know, some of us are out here grinding well, on the launch them. code. Yeah, <laughs> damn. Uh, <laughs> um, but the thing I had noted last week 
was Insomniac very quickly trying to like, no, 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 like he's not super cool with the cops this time. And like, he hates guns, like trying to like realign <laughs> Spider-Man's <laughs> politics a little bit in response to some of the like propaganda criticisms of the, ori- the original game. Like, no, Spider-Man like respects privacy of the city and individuals must opt into the drone program where they can give their their crime report it's extremely oh also like there's the section when like um so you know harry osborne one of the main characters peter parker's best friend in this one um like he is explaining like what happened after he came out of his quote treatment which is to you know consume 19 inches of venom uh and uh and come out the other side uh and he says like and i came out and i looked at what my father had built at this uh like startup like philanthropist science like building uh, thing that he's doing he's like well and we had to diversify that board immediately and i was like shut the fuck up harry and also by extension i was like shut the fuck up like i get it insomnia like it's you're getting a little pay cut too okay i know and there was like i couldn't tell how much what like what part of it was like ironic and what part of it was insomniac, like, like sweating these like critical essays that came out after the original Spider-Man being like, yo, the game is dope, but also like maybe some parts of it were a little, a little iffy, but, uh, so yeah, I've played a decent chunk of, of, of the second game. Um, I have not played as much as you, but I'm, I'm extremely high in it. Like I, I really like it. I think it's a, a wonderful sequel to what was already a really great game. Where did, where did you come down at it? Having, uh, you know, seen it all the way through at this point. Well, real quick, did you play Miles as well? Mm-hmm. Like one and okay, cool. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I went into this being like, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be more Spider-Man. So I know I'll like this game. I know I'll have fun with it. Um, I will say it like very lightly exceeded my expectations, but also my expectations were technically high because <laughs> the first two games were so great. Um, but I, I really love this one. I think... It is a very clear elevation to me above the first two, which I also was, I went into this wondering, will this be clearly above or will it be kind of like debatable? And obviously you can do the whole like the first and the nostalgia of like, oh, but that first one, like it was this new, you know, reinvention. And the first time you like swung, nothing will be the same, you know, as that. But um, I, I think they did a great job. Love the wingsuit for traversal. Um, funnily enough, I really like the, um, there's a couple like different, missions and there's one like really early where you like send a drone through like these little rings i love mm-hmm. that thing i had that was like the most fun i had like everyone talks about that first hour and like what a beautiful set piece it was and it is but like i had the most fun just <laughs> shooting that thing through the rings <laughs> oddly enough Wait, like but, drone racing yeah like i that was like the like i loved just like you like shoot like send look if they're going through. to slowly turn spider-man into a, a yakuza or judgment game uh, i'm all i'm all for that well, there's lots no, of mini games honestly, that, that one's closer to like a pilot wings um like sort of mini game where uh and the game is full of those like every yeah. time there's a little side mission it's like oh all right we sort of left mini games behind in either the yakuza stuff or the ps2 era and spider-man says uh, no, like, no, it's fine. Like, we're going to we're going to include all sorts of weird mini games like, hey, uh, these uh, L2 R2, they're uh, touch sensitive. We're going to make you like hold them down in like yeah, the yeah, most yeah. awkward, sensitive, like we're like you're kind of pushing on the right with your right finger but like really pushing on your left finger and then you have to like hold like a photograph, like cheese, like your mom is saying cheese for a photo and like one kid isn't smiling and it's like, 
fucking smile. And that's your like left finger not lining up so that the like the mini games can, can progress. Intense, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they have a lot of that. Um, and, and I like that a lot, too. And you can obviously like toggle that stuff off, which is great. If people aren't as inclined, you can skip puzzles in this game as well. You can skip uh, like uh, the the uh, like the, the, the cutscenes are so beautifully animated, and the quick t- like the quick time events, like the button sequences in them, yeah. are you don't do a whole lot. And so the game's like, do you want to just turn those off? And I appreciate the game. Like, hey, do you just want to enjoy the really gorgeous yeah. cutscene we've made? Like, go for it. Don't worry about like pressing X at the right time so that a punch lands. I think too they did a um at least from like especially the the jump from Spider-Man 1 to Spider-Man 3 cuz I don't fully remember like Miles as vividly. I think they did a good job like I, a lot of people do critique the oh like this is just quick time event the game. And again, you can toggle that off if you want to. Um but I I leave it on um and personally I think they did a a good job creating sequences that are like easily quick timeable because one problem I had with like Spider-Man 1 is like wow, this is a great set piece if I wasn't an idiot because I pressed square <laughs> instead of X and now I'm falling through the sky. Oh, no. And this thing that's supposed to look really beautiful and really cool is like an awkward reload moment for me. And I think they um, eased up on a lot of like the timing and like the, and how you often should like- fail. Like, the, like yes. you should never really, like the buttons exist to give you a sense of connection. Yes. Like a tactile feel to the kinetic action on screen. But it's much like a chase sequence in a horror game. They've kind of fucked up if you lose because it's not yeah. fun to do the chase again. It's not fun to watch the set piece and hit like like you said X instead of square the next time around. It doesn't like Sandman does the same thing the second time. Exactly. Um, um, and so what you want is just the player to get through it and feel that that like a deeper level connection through the buttons and anything that gets in the way of that is kind of a failure on the game's part. Yeah, so I think they did a, a much better job this time around um, with setting those things up. And I think that the number one thing that I really love about this game, besides some of like, I mean, there's obviously spoilery stuff that I think is is cool with like some of the side content, but it has a lot of heart to it. And that was kind of always true in Spider-Man games. I mean, it's, he's, he's like a wholesome character, but there's some really cute side storylines of like, oh, like, help me find my grandpa. And then he talks to the grandpa about like his oh, love at the park? life. And, yeah. yeah it's like, there's so many like, I mean, there's a moment, and this one I won't say as in detail because I think it was like I was surprised by it, and I thought it was cool. Um, with like the pigeon guy that you know from like I have before. heard. So all I've seen is uh, a couple of screenshots, and I won't even spoil what the screenshots are because sure, I think they're kind of from the quest. I've not gotten there yet, but like multiple being like, I didn't expect to be tearing up about a pigeon side quest in the Spider-Man game and like that it uh, goes places I think speaks to something Insomniac had had said in advance like hey one of our mandates on the sequel one of my big uh, ideas was attach meaningful story content to the side quest so that that they are not just I mean yes they're functionally just like collectible quests like like like, you know Sandmans are like and all over the city there are like 15 spots where you will Fight 15, like another 15 sand creatures and break a crystal and a story moves forward. But at least there, there's an effort made where like, here's the things that fill the world. We will do to varying degrees of success, find ways to make those feel worthwhile beyond just getting the platinum, right? Like just checklisting it. Um, And I I do think they've done a, a really good job of making that stuff feel good for someone like me who is less interested in the checklist, does not care about the trophy. Like I need, I need like a reason to do this yeah. and it can't just be 
15 out of 15. I like, I need some story content at the end. And so far, even though I haven't seen the conclusion of these arcs, I have, I have been really delighted at how much they've invested, at least like putting some concrete work into these different side quests. Yeah. There's definitely like some really nice narrative payoffs for some of them. I think for like, it's funny because they're for collectible stuff. I think. I guess the payoff kind of comes a little bit late because you do have to get like all of them to like, you know, like the Sandman one, at least like as you get them, you're getting story bits versus like the spider bots. I mean, you get the lore of like what kind of design the spider bot is, but the payoff at the end of the spider bot thing is very worthwhile, in my opinion. Um, So, yeah, I was I was really delighted with how much everything paid off. Um, I think the only for gripes. being like Peter and doing those like little science things like the first time I flew like a bee and I like studied the bees I was like okay cool and then after a while they get a little dry um it feels like a rough draft of an idea like I think this is where it's strange like so I think the world is too big um and I think uh Spider-Man is running into a Arkham problem which Mm. uh the Arkham games I think all three of them are great in various ways the first one is my favorite. I keep me one day. I'm going to do a, I want to do like a let's play of origins that like reviewed poorly when it came out. And, but everyone, the way people talk about it now is it's secretly the best Batman game. Like it's like, it stands toe to toe. Are you, are you agreeing with this, Rob, that origins is fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, well, if they were going to go in an opens, an open city direction, uh, I think it did the best job of making that interesting um, and and compelling. So yeah, like I think it's better than uh, Arkham City for sure. Arkham Knight, I don't know. Uh, but but I I think you you can see the strain in what do you do with a sequel to Spider Man? Like of course you make it bigger, um, and so then they add the wingsuit. But then okay, so we've made and then we also have these like wind tunnels that exist all over the, all over the city. Uh, And then we also have these events that are just like shooting up all over the city. And then we also have these slingshot areas that can like send you just reeling and you see them trying to solve for the sequel problem, which is the sequel. Well, it's gotta be bigger. Like it's gotta have more stuff. Well, yeah, but like Spider-Man is like a ground level superhero that, um, like doesn't, he's not like Iron Man where you can just like shoot across, the sky like he can't he's not dr strange you can't like just just step into a portal although though <laughs> there are portals in in this one in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain quest and i think you also see this in the side content in which i think this game in as good as it is i could have used a little more time on like the design side for what is in the world because i think the game is straining at what to do with a larger scope and then what goes in it. And I think it speaks to those like science experiments, which are, I mean, on their face, they're goofy as fuck because it's like, like, Hey, Spider-Man, like we don't have, we have endless resources from like the Oscorp, but like we can't get anyone to go to this roof and like water the plants. Like, thank you, Spider-Man. It's like, come on. I, it just, uh, uh, it, I'm sorry, Peter does those Peter, I, you're correct. Spider-Man's correct, just correct. helping out, okay? Spider-Man's just helping out. But, like, it sort of st- strains, like, reality, uh, like, in the world. Like, in terms of, like, why are we doing this? Why would this character do this? Like, there's one moment where, uh, like, when Peter is maybe going to join up with Harry at this, at this foundation, and he's, like, doing a tour, and they, Peter says, well, you know, I know somebody with like a roof where we could do this experiment. And they're like, oh, thank Peter, 
you're going to be so useful here. Like <laughs> a roof where we could put some experiments. Like, motherfucker, we're in the middle of like a billion dollar. They have a particle accelerator over there. And they're thankful that Peter can show his ass up and offer a rooftop in like <laughs> Queens. Like, what, what are we doing here? But I mean, I am with you. Like so much of it does work for me. But what I and, and I'll see how I feel as I get further. But the the more I play Spider-Man 2, the more I feel myself drawn to the Miles Morales game because the mm-hmm. scope of that was awesome. Like, uh, it was a smaller city. It was a denser place. It was a more compact story. And I think as you start to like justify like a $70 game that's in development for this many years that costs this much money – I feel like you just feel this game straining to justify those things. And I think the Arkham games essentially unraveled in many ways as they expanded the scope of the world. Um, How do we get Batman from here to there? What are we putting in all these places? And at the end of the day, like a place that was a fraction of the size would have accomplished a lot of the same narrative and design goals. And it would have ended up feeling better in a more constrained space. And so I have that worry with where Spider-Man goes like inevitably there will be a spider-man 3 this game was a huge success but does that mean this the city's even bigger (laughs) three that's a four (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and it's like weird uh it's like if that city gets even bigger like already spider-man is sort of superman and it's fine like i don't care that much that that's how they've solved that traversal problem but i do see them running into the same problems that the batman games did is like cool like gotta add a new area to the game but like then how does spider-man get there and it starts to strain at what made some of the that original Spider-Man game and that Miles game so special as you sort of expand the scope of it. Yeah, I feel like the the some of the side or the mini game content not being that compelling isn't necessarily due to scope. I think it's just I mean, in in their defense, it is hard to like everything's hitting, but also like that's kind of what you strive for for an open world, right? Like in the I finally beat Yakuza like a dragon like last year, I think, um, after many, many, many hours. <laughs> well, those games then, are, you know, it's 70, 80s hours long, God. depending on how much, you know, shit you do in each of them. Yeah. And but what's what's wild about that? And again, now we're talking like masterclass open world design is everything in that game is good. Everything. Yeah. In the, like it is it is wild how much they nailed everything. And I think. I don't know. Um I just want to see, I think, a little bit more differentiation in some of the side content is the issue. And I think the the experiments are an attempt at creating differentiation, right? Where it's like you have one that's, um, you know, he's testing out like a bike and he has to like ride the bike in the park as like Peter. It's like, I mean, it's not the, the most like compelling gameplay ever, but I appreciate that that's different. And it's like, oh, it's a little goofy. It's 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 a little surprising. It's it's fun. It's cool. It's different. Um, again, the B drone thing, it's like after I'm the B drone eight times, I, it, it was never really that fun. And you kind of no. start to notice that, yeah. you know, so I think I think that's I want to see a little bit more um, for lack of a better term, creativity in what they do with that. I think that's why, like some of the side content, the lore aspect is really what impresses me, where it's like, wow, they told a really heartwarming story while still utilizing, like, the general mechanics of traversing or, you know, fighting or whatever. But the, but there's something different. Um, there's, like, my, I think my favorite part of the game is um, they have these kind of arena rooms that you can go into. Uh, I won't get into what they are because that is inherently kind of a spoiler. But I think those are, like, that's, like, the gameplay highlight for me are these rooms mm. that have very fantastical and shifting environmental design. 
Um, it's like the perfect blend of it's a cool thing, but also the lore justifies how they're playing with it. So yeah, I think just, I think the issue is like digging into the lore of Peter Parker as a science kid, I think could be really cool. And I think they were a little bit, um, too like down to earth and practical with their like sciencey stuff for some of that stuff. But again, that's getting into the, the nitpick weeds of side content anyway. But I think at this point, they're so good at their core formula that to elevate, we do need to be firing on all the cylinders. So that's kind of why I like gravitate towards talking about that a little bit. But yeah, it's a it's a fantastic game. Yeah. And, and I think the Platinum was a lot more achievable in this. Like it's, it's less nitpicky too, which I think is good because it is one of the few games where I'm like, I think this is worth 100%ing, um, especially because it's not that much additional content to get there. Like I, no, think I, I did most of the there. original game. I think I stopped yeah. at like, do you want to go clear out 12 more gangs? I was like, no. And that's the thing. They like get no, rid of a I lot don't. of that like repetitive. <laughs> like there's not as much like they only have like two, like two or three, maybe a few more of like the do this X times with this thing. Right. Um, while in the first like two games, I felt like it was I'm like, oh, man, I never did a wall takedown because everyone can see me when I'm on the wall. Who's doing wall takedown? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just standing there. Everyone well, sees I'll- I'm there. I mean, this I, one of the uh, it's my favorite suspension of disbelief that is uh, suspend. It has to be suspended even more in this one. One of the the big new mechanics is I forget what it's called, but it's like the where you can create the, like the web gun, the web line or something. The web, yeah, web lines where basically like you can aim your cursor and then create a web line that you can then walk on. Mm-hmm. And what you have to this is already apparent if you play the original game and Miles Morales, but it's even more apparent in the new one is like. Nope, nobody looks up in this world. Nobody yes. is ever <laughs> glancing up. Because if they were to look up, what a tangled web we weave. I have 15 different, like, you know, web lines going all over. Because the, there's no there's no cooldown on it. There's no limitations to it. It is, it is just like, uh, hey, we want to make the stealth more approachable and less fussy. And what, how we're going to do that is just let you make permanent, climbable, traversable web lines wherever you are. You can't put it on every surface, but you can put it on most surfaces. And it's just so funny. Like I cleared out some room where like, I didn't have to do it all stealth, but I was like, well, I've done three fourths of it stealth. I might as well continue. And if you just like looked at the room, like 12 enemies are all going like, oh, like help me. I'm like, oh, like I'm in the spider web. (laughs) And there's just one guy on the ground be like, hmm, where'd where'd everybody go? And it's like, I don't know, man. Look up, but it's, it's like, it's I think cons- Spider-Man's here. We have no way of <laughs> no, knowing. Spider-Guy's here. here. Get back up. Um, but it's a conceit I'm totally cool with because yes. it doesn't function narratively at all. It's a complete nonsense, but it's extremely fun and makes uh, for a better game. So who cares? And I'm glad the game like leans into that stuff because that's some of my favorite bits is some of that mechanical evolution. I'm I'm less impressed by like it often feels sometimes when i'm playing the combat in the game it's like i'm just waiting for cooldowns to yeah. occur um like like it's a cooldown on a gadget and i'm often not even sure what the gadget does i'm just like well that one's up like bzz, like yeah. it feels sometimes i'm not using it strategically i'm just using it because the icon is now filled and i know that'll distract a couple of enemies for a moment like i and and especially once you then split peter and miles up and they have similar move sets but just different enough where I'm not necessarily always taking advantage of like the nuance of like a square after a certain move to get a yeah. follow up because I just so I want to sit and look through the move set again to rem- to remember that maybe that's just my brain but um I, too often I found in the combat I was doing 
cooldown tracking as opposed to like really thinking of the nuances of like what I'm doing moment to moment. It's a little bit like Bop It after a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Gameplay wise, which I do think is, um, you know, doesn't make the combat shine as much as it could. I think one of the things that this game is kind of missing in a sense is a little bit more um, tutorialization at higher level approaches to combat. Like that's something that the first two games had. I think like the first one probably had it baked in because like Spider-Man's like newer at being Spider-Man. And the second one, you had those things where like Peter set up tests for Miles to do. Right. And what was cool about like, I I never like platinum the first two, but I was working on platinuming Miles um, for some time playing a lot of those combat sequences. And I'm like, oh, this has really taught me more about the nuances of how I can like you can it's, it's a very beat em up game so you don't have to like think yeah. but like you can and like I felt like it taught me ways to think this game doesn't really have that integrated kind of anywhere and I think that's no. one of the light weaknesses where that higher level gameplay I'm able to do a bit of that because I've studied Miles Morales like a lot but if I hadn't I wouldn't really be thinking in that same way where like for me I leaned really heavily into like aerial combat like hold down square, you put someone up and then I would just like would pull people into the air. And then on the skill tree, I leaned into like you do more damage when you're fighting enemies in the air. So I was just like never on the I ground was in the sky. <laughs> yeah, I was in the sky terrorizing the city of New York. Like it was just uh, but, you know, that's very that's something I was able to do because I already knew that and leaned into that. Like The game didn't really teach me to do that and i think they could have used that um for the gadgets though i will say i love that they have them just on the face buttons now because before yes. they were on like a wheel and i like yes. never use them they're like no kill eight enemies with a remote mine i'm like we have mines right like where is that how do i open yeah. it like so in some ways like it just being yeah. a, a, a like a meter that fills you yes. end up probably using more of them as a result rather than just relying on hey this one works and so i'll just keep letting this one fill and then just yeah. deploy it when when i've got access to it yeah like for like one of the one of those useful like early uh, moves you can unlock is like anytime a, an enemy has a weapon, it's a huge pain in the butt. They cause a lot of damage. They can hit you from far away. It's always like when you're seeing like the like tracking meter fill up to red, you know, it's like a sniper shot is coming down on Spider-Man. Well, like one of the most useful moves is to take their weapon away. And I unlocked that and I kind of thought I was doing it in combat, but not with any consistency. And eventually I got it down through enough like I'm just going to spend this combat arena figuring out what the timing yeah. is on that. But I wish the game did a little more like handholding, like, like, Hey, yeah. like you've unlocked this. Like, do you want to zip over to like a little setup combat arena? So you can like, we can show you the timing of this. We can give you a thumbs up that like you understand how it works. And, and it's there's like, a God lot of nights is punching the air right now. They're like, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And I just, I, I wish the game, because it's just, there's a lot in the skill tree. Yeah. The skill tree is for Peter. The skill tree is for miles. There's a skill tree for both of them. And it's very easy to lose track of the nuance of that. And again, you don't have to, like you can kind of broadly just hit square, zip around and hit the powers as they come up and you can kind of muddle your way through combat. But there is a really good combat layer there that sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm not accessing as frequently because I've just forgotten or never quite learned some of the, the nuances. How do you feel about the parry? I like never use it. Okay. Do you use it a lot. <laughs> No, I hate, yeah. I, I hate parrying in games because I'm really bad at the timing and every game has a different timing. So I, I just don't use it. And then I just kind of because I went a completionist route too. I just kind of bulldozed my way through the skill. I'm like, oh, like because you do get you do start to encounter enemies that 
lean more, you know, bigger enemies or boss enemies that lean more on those kind of attacks. And the, but I just kind of. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Willed myself through it a little bit. Well, sometimes um, you can slide under them instead of doing a parry and still accomplish like an attack. And I, I find yeah. myself this is a game where you're always on the move, and the parry is a thing you do often when you're like still. And That's I just found point, yeah. anytime I was trying to do the parry, I was focusing on doing the parry and then fucking up something else. And so it was like, well, this isn't this isn't useful for me. Um, I, this is not like part of the flow of how I'm playing the game. And I would have. I mean, frankly, if there was a, an option in the menu that was like, we're like, hey, just automatic parry or like bigger parry window. Like what often oh, happens there is that was like, option in the menu. For oh, there is. Yes. I might do that. Like, you because should. maybe I maybe didn't I'd turn use it on because I'm stubborn, but <laughs> maybe I'd use it more often because like where they want you to do is like you'll see in the interface uh, like a white, like, you know, like Spidey sense. And it's like that means a character is about to attack. And then red is like, oh, shit, like they're they're going to attack. And that's when you're supposed to hit it in that window. And I was just too impatient to wait for that. Or when I would, I would miss it because I'd be looking at something else on the screen. But um, I mean, it's a it's a wildly enjoyable game. Like, I'm really excited to see what they do with Wolverine as a result. I haven't even gotten to all of the Venom stuff. And, you know, like I love Keith David. Like, I'm excited to see like his performance uh, as as that character. Um, but, yeah, it's it's broadly a, a really good game. If you like the first one, I don't think it's a revel- it's an evolution. And it's like if you like the first one, if you like Miles. You're going to like one of these. If you didn't like any of those, there's nothing here for you. Like it is, it is, it is another one of those games. And that is your mileage is going to vary on that. It is absolutely, I love highly polished story based single player games. And for all of Sony's faults, I'm glad they're out here making them at a scale that seems like they shouldn't. These games, like, like all, all, all that has to happen is one of these games to like, catastrophically fail and i feel like sony goes out of business uh but as long as they keep hitting these high notes with pretty much all the ones they're putting out uh like i'm I'm here for them things have gone poorly here i was gonna ask you've you've muted you muted yourself which is usually a sign of dog problems so we're going to go to letters here next, I think, because we've had a good show. We'll be talking soon, but also uh, we've hit. So what's been going on is Mina was sick for a few days. Uh, and that was like kind of scary sick, like three trips to the urgent dog, urgent care and like mm. one trip to the vet hospital and such. There's a decent chance like she was clearly sick with something, but also, you know, you get in a spiral with a pet where they start to feel off and they just feel terrible. And then they keep going to the doctor and they're stressed. And so it looks like they're dying, blah, blah, blah. So she's been out for days. Much to our relief, she is starting to come back to herself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that has expressed itself in so far this morning, taking all of the puppies, food, toys, and treats uh, after, after days of just not being able to, to do anything. She's just like now every time, every time the puppy Gets a treat or a toy. Mina walks over there and is like, "This is mine now. Goodbye." Uh, and so they've been they've been sort of skirmishing all morning, and now me we separating them. Mina is just kind of barking to be let back uh, in the living room with Tilly, so she can steal more of her food. So that's what's I've been I've been trying to keep her like tamped down, but like at a certain point, she's just like, "I just want to fuck with that kid. I just want to I just want to mess with that puppy." I want to take that. That puppy has treats that the puppy has delicious, high nutritional density food that I must have. 
Uh, and so that's what's that's what's been going on here. Uh, but there's you know we've we've covered games like Kata. Was there anything you wanted to hit before we get to letters? Uh, no, we can we can do that next week. <laughs> yeah, sh- short version. Like, well, I'll have played a lot more before because uh, we're recording early next week because of some stuff we'll get into next week. Um, but yeah, I've, I've played you know a decent amount of Super Mario Brothers. Uh, wonder. Um, oh yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I I've mostly played it in the. I've mostly played it in the context of playing with my family, which yeah. I have complicated thoughts. About. I think the game doesn't really. It punishes kids for not being good um, at games, which is like. Have you suggested kids, that they get good? <laughs> well, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> difficult to just uh, yell that at a child. Like, learn how to learn how to <laughs> learn how to run and jump at the same time, <laughs> asshole. Um, but like, for example. Like, who do you think, like, young girl's favorite character is in the Mario games? Peach? Luigi. Maybe Toad? Right. <laughs> I mean, hey, Rob, that's, that's, that's my character, so uh, um, relatable. Another one for the Luigi's Mansion army. We need more and, people. And for one, you... Is that part of the sleep cycle? Like, they're also training you? <laughs> like, Kato, are you also a Luigi stan? Uh, he's fine, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, maybe the app will work Please on see you over time. Out, <laughs> uh, um, you, one, you cannot play as the same character um across like when you're playing multiplayer like it's one a character is taken so they prince you know peach off the board now thankfully uh, this has been a fight in my house for two weeks the game was not out yet and yet when we would talk about mario wonder it was always in the context of well i'm gonna be peach i'm gonna be peach and a seven-year-old and three-year-old talking in unison then me trying to explain well but like like we have Princess Daisy here as well isn't Princess <laughs> Daisy great and my 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 youngest was like no who, who, excuse, excuse me, like the Mariah Carey, like gif, like, I don't know her. Like, and, um, uh, and thankfully when we turned the game on, she saw Toadette, pink little, uh, a toad looking, uh, character and was like, oh, yeah. I love that. I'm going to play as that. I was like, oh, thank God. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, the thing is, um, Peach and Toadette are their main characters. And so the, all the game rules apply to them. Um, there are other characters like Nabbit, you know, everyone's favorite rabbit. I was just about to say it, they don't want to. They don't want to be Nabbit. That has appeared <laughs> once in the new Super Mario Brothers U game that was released on Wii U and then Switch. Also, I thought Nabbit was evil. Is he a good guy? He is. Nabbit is evil in New Super Mario Brothers U. He is a character that is stealing stuff from you. Yeah. and You have to go back and grab it. Yes, but yeah. apparently we've retconned. Nabbit's been radicalized uh, against uh, Bowser um, and has now uh, decided to, <laughs> yeah, to join like, with the Mushroom Kingdom. Th- that and take lineup up arms. cast, real quick, is very one of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's everyone you love and Nabbit. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little shady. Um, and so Nabbit and Yoshi uh, are invincible, um, so they they can't take hits. But you know what? My kids don't want to fucking play as Yoshi. They want to play as that shitty little That's rabbit. Like they want to play as Peach, and so. You end up playing the game and they, they're frustrated because like, well, if you play as Yoshi, you don't, but I don't want to be Yoshi. Like, I, yeah. and then not only that, in New Super Mario Brothers uh, you you would hit like LNR and you could turn into a little bubble. So when I would play with my oldest, especially if we hit like a difficult platforming sequence, she'd put herself in a bubble and I was like, hey, I'm going to hang out here. Dad, can you get us through this section? Cool. I got it, kid. And the bubble just drags along with you and I would get her through and sometimes I'd screw with her and I'd pop the bubble on purpose so she'd fall in a a, a pit. Um, and that would be my version of get good. It was like, y'all, if you knew how to get across this lava sequence, then you wouldn't have to be in the bubble. Um, but in the new game, you can go into a bubble 
And then it's a five second timer and then you die. So my child like will be playing the game, get to a diff, like wants to play a difficult sequence with me, can't, goes into the bubble and I have to like get her, ferry her across in five seconds or else she loses a life. And so it just ends up punishing kids in a really strange sort of way. And like people are coming up with different tricks. Like if the parent plays as Yoshi, like the other characters can go on Yoshi's back. But then mm. that means I have to play. That's as Yoshi. parenting. Baby. Like, what if uh, that hey, is man. parenting? You had which your is time like to be Mario. Exactly, exactly. And so, like, I do it. Like, I will. I, I'll be Yoshi. Fine. It's whatever. I'll You're be like, Mario. I'll do off my, my kid, but I draw I'll a line be, of playing as Yoshi. Yeah. Now you know that Pacifica feels. Uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've. Yeah, I put uh, one, two, three, four. I put five kids to go see Taylor Swift in that minivan last weekend. Um, uh, so it, it did its job, Rob. It it did its duty uh, proudly. So it's it's. Yeah, it's I, I quite like it. Uh, I'll get into more of the specifics on that, you know, on next week's podcast when I've gotten a couple worlds deep. But some of the early impressions were trying to sort out how I could do it with my kids. And the short version is we're not going to play it on the big TV so that the youngest can see it. Uh, I'm going to play it in secret with my oldest kid <laughs> and we'll just prop that up in her room and and work on it in in, in her room because it's just it's just not compatible with a kid that young. Um, and and that, it's too bad. And if the game had more options and there are games that have those sorts of options to accommodate like younger players and and kids with different skill sets but you know nintendo's gonna nintendo they make the game they're gonna make um and it's like you can pick everyone could be princess peach and mario kart 8 but like they can't do that in the new mario game for reasons that i i can't explain but uh it's it's a very pretty fun game uh if you didn't like new suit mario brothers i think it's worth giving wonder a shot i think it's a much better game than the uh the new Super Mario Brothers game, uh, U game was on Wii U and Switch. On to letters. On to, on to letters. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Uh, God, are these all? Oh, Patrick, we have a problem. All yep. the good, all the good stuff is coming in for for the HOA and the sports <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, it is it is wall to wall. It's, it's almost it's, like we stopped reading letters just... on this podcast a while back. <laughs> well, For yeah, instance, we might have contributed like... to our own demise. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we do want to. Here's do a do sample. H- let's, let's do an HOA question here on the uh, look. HOA is something that you don't get if you are uh, if you're if you're getting this like on your primary free feed uh, or if you're on the basic tier at remapradio.com. HOA, where Rob and I are talking about. What it means to be alive in a space. That could be a car. That could be a house. Rob, let's give the people a tease. Give us an HOA question. Dump it in here. Plus, this will warm us up if we're doing HOA this afternoon. I don't even know if an HOA question anymore. This okay. Is just, this is, hey, this Remap Crew, <laughs> after watching you all get schooled on how to properly prepare Skyline Chili during the website launch stream, congrats. <laughs> Someone in chat chimed in saying the two main chili parlors were Skyline and Gold Star. This is correct from a logistics standpoint. These two brands have the most locations, but the idea that there's some kind of rivalry in the public consciousness is laughable. Growing up in the greater Cincy area, saying Skyline was your favorite chili was the standard. Uh, Saying one of the smaller brands like Dixie would get you a knowing nod, but Gold Star would get you laughed out of the room. They have a reputation of being a mainstream parlor with an expanded menu that includes more standard fast food fare because their chili cannot compete with the other recipes. Hell, Gold Star started as a hamburger joint that converted to slinging chili when it became popular. Skyline was all chili from the jump. 
Even the chili itself shows their lack of commitment with thicker, more traditional texture resembling normal chili. That Skyline good. might have. <laughs> I'm just going to say Normie Skyline chili. might have it. I'm going to put an editorial marker here. A less than pleasing consistency with some negative associations and editorial <laughs> mark. But that's just Cincy Chili, baby. Uh, anyways, my favorite is Gold Star because I hate chili. <laughs> At least get some mediocre chicken strips there. <laughs> they did share two videos with us. Oh, the meaty oh. chili. Oh, good. They showed two videos. The first from decades ago tries to speak to the proud Cincinnatian and show that uh, Gold Star is their chili. Take that in contrast to an ad from last year that sounds embarrassed to be associated with chili at all, advertising directly to the estranged Gold Star fan by saying they don't have bad taste. The mainstream opinion on chili just doesn't matter. Very big, check the science, do your own, do your own research vibes. Mm-hmm. Having a commercial just admit defeat like that is just <laughs> so strange. All the way to officially peeling the chili off of Gold Star Chili and just going by Gold Star and all of their branding and signage since that wow. ad campaign started. Interesting. It's a lot it sounds like, so it sounds like we have three chili joints we need to visit them. Like Dixie. <laughs> We gotta see, like, we gotta start at Gold Star, right? We gotta see, like, what's the. Hey, right. look, um, go to rememberradio.com, the, the zeal tier, which, you know, we, we are we are delighted that some people are participating in, and it's gonna unlock such heavenly delights, uh, like this for, for Rob and I. Just a, a whole, whole weekend of chili. It's just time to go lie down in that hotel room for six hours and get ready to oh, eat God. chili, chili in the morning. <laughs> like, like, we're gonna be like, oh. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, We also have this nightmare story inspired by something Kato shared with us uh, previously. Joe writes, hey, Remap, listening after dark, hearing Kato talk about driving from Key West to Baltimore. I've done a similar drive three times. Jesus. My wife and I lived in Tampa for a year. Moving down, we drove my Honda Accord to Tampa from Baltimore. It took two days, but I'd already been working in Tampa, so we had an apartment to move into. Moving home a year later, we drove my Accord up with a pregnant wife, but while we were down there, we had bought a second car, and that was still in Tampa. I wrap up to the work I had to do in Tampa over the next month and prepared to drive our little Hyundai Accent up myself. I got off from work on a Wednesday, packed up the last of the apartment, and headed to Maryland. I got to Columbia, South Carolina, and called a night with no problems. Woke up the next morning, started my way with about an hour, uh, started my way about an hour. I'm passing an 18 wheeler. I hear a pop and my car starts to shake. <sighs> I'm thinking the semi blew a tire and I ran over scrap only to notice my tire pressure light on. I pull over, discover my rear passenger tires blown out the sidewall. Now I got to wait until a tow truck can, t- can tow me to the nearest Walmart to replace this tire. Adds two hours to my trip, but I'm back on the road and smooth sailing 430 p.m. I have the southern part of Richmond Beltway. But when I can feel the star cart to wall, uh, wobble, a feeling I immediately recognize from earlier in the day. No. I start heading for the shoulder. I hear a pop and see the tire pressure light go on. <laughs> no. The rear driver's tire has blown. Now I have to wait for a tow truck on this the side slide. of a beltway, okay. uh, outside on the side of the beltway during rush hour. <laughs> this time I figure I better replace the two front tires along with the rear drivers. This has another 3.5 hours to my drive. And I finally make it home exhausted around 10 p.m. The drive I hope to never do again. This is why that is more. I can't remember the last time I, I, I blew a tire like 15 years ago. Hasn't happened since. I've never had it. Well, that Honda accent was cursed. 
I didn't blow a tire, but I haven't had a, a blown tire ever. But this is why you they tell you to change them all at the same time. This exact scenario of well, one of them went. Surely the other ones are fine. Probably not, right? No, <laughs> maybe for a couple of months. But uh, all it takes is one nail. Yeah, uh, both in one drive though. That's horrendous. That's brutal. Yeah, that is that is that is some grim stuff. Uh, oh, let's let me find. There's a good one here that. Uh, well, let's let's jump into the HOA bucket real quick. Uh, <laughs> Alice writes, "Dear Click and Clack, this past <laughs> summer, while obsessed with the Barbie movie and in the midst of a midlife crisis, a friend joked that I should Classic. get a pink convertible. This was funny until I found myself on Carvana." Looking at a pink '90s Corvette with sixty thousand miles on it for sixteen grand. Ooh. I know that any Corvette that cheap likely has a lot going on under the hood, but who cares if all I want to do is cruise up the PCH a few times each summer? How do you talk yourself out of bad decisions you know are bad but want to do anyway? Alice, Los Angeles. I mean, you could just lean. I in. can't talk. My the, the <laughs> problem is I feel like I'm being asked to talk Alice out of a good decision. Uh, yeah, that sounds. I mean, if you can afford it, like I don't think it matters. You know what I mean? Like that's. I guess they don't want to do it because they know it's. I guess it's bad. Well, by the car's it. going like, to die. On, it it's going to die on the shoulder of the PCH, right? Like that's that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's, the that's the that's the fear. But like, if it dies on the shoulder, is it PCH, worth that it, high? It, it, Maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> This is one of my this is one of my bucket list things is I need I want to get out there and like drive a car up that Ooh. like coast road and just see what's up. I will say I have something that could help them talk them out of the bad decision is you, what you need to do is think back to similar bad decisions you've made and rem- remind yourself of that because it reminds me of like obviously not as severe but like I got the one up arcade Miss Pac-Man machine. Miss Pac-Man's like one of my favorite games ever. It's a beautiful cabinet. I'm like the one up arcades. They're small. Like, yeah, sure, I'm only in an apartment, but they're small. Like, it's not, it's, a, I don't know, I think they're like three or 500 bucks. So it's like a decent chunk of change, but like, manageable. It's okay. You know, I could, yeah. I, I could, I could do it, you know? Yeah. So I asked my boyfriend, I'm like, hey, can I, can I get this? Because like, you know, he lives with me as well. And it's like, I'm like, hey, I know this is ugly, but like, I kind of, I kind of need to get this. Like, I need to have <laughs> this. Can I put this in our living room? And he's like, I mean, I guess. So then I spend. Oh, the that's a confident, that a confident yes. That's a confident yeah. yes. Yeah, I so, guess. I guess in a relationship is like, oh well, you said yes. That's yes, I, I'm exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, and mind you, too, it arrived. I was like, can you build it for me? <laughs> he had to build this, <laughs> this ugly thing that he didn't want. And he's like, you know, and it's that class. He's like, you're not going to use it like that. And I'm like, no, like I'll play it. It'll be fun. It'll be like, help me de-stress. Like, you know, it's, it's good for my mental health. <laughs> so now I live in this, like, you know, it was in my living room for a long time, which basically meant I was living in an animal crossing apartment. Like it's like, there's a, there's a couch, there's an arcade cabinet. This doesn't look good. Whatever. I live with that. We have to move it when, the, when we put the tree up, but whatever. It's okay. I don't play it that much, right? Oh, who could have guessed? <laughs> we move. We now have an apartment, just the two of us. It is a, a two-bedroom, so we have our bedroom. He has his desk in our bedroom, and I he gave me this room to use as my office. Because he's like, hey, like you need the space more than me. Blah, blah, blah. You can do cool shit with it. Great. And he's like, okay, so the Miss Pac-Man machine is now in my office, because that's where it has to be. It's like, now yo, this is your space for it. You can put your garbage <laughs> in this little room. Go crazy. <laughs> this is your garbage room. That is when I realized, I'm like, hey, this doesn't really fit here. He's like, oh, who would have, who would have guessed? So now I'm like, okay, 
I'm I live with this machine now, and one day I'll have like proper good space for it. Mind you, I still want to get like one of the racing cabinets because I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to sit in a little car chair and drive? <laughs> oh what? shit! <laughs> and they have them, and they're so cool. But I I now live with this, and I look at it, and I know that I'm a flawed person who doesn't use expensive gaming things, who didn't need this, who doesn't have the space for it. And now it's like in front of one of my closet doors and I don't have access to that door properly now. So before you get the convertible, think back to what your Miss Pac-Man machine was and realize <laughs> that like, if you, that, that you're probably just making the same mistake again. And my partner has the same flaws too, where he bought like, <laughs> before he got his car, he got an electric scooter. He's like, I think this is gonna, I'm gonna use this to get around. And I'm like, you are not gonna use this he's like no the grocery store is only like a mile away i'm gonna i'm like you're not gonna use this scooter and he bought it he used it like two times i was like yeah i knew you were gonna use he's like you know i haven't really used it that much i'm like i know i knew when you bought it that you were throwing away upwards of a thousand dollars like this is this is just we're not you're not using this no one ever the, no the one believes are cool it. though they are cool like i get i understand the appeal that I, I have seen people use actually i've seen people use the electric bikes that i've seen yeah for then scooters. Someone for. can use them. Not He's him. not one of them. <laughs> you know, one can. That's the thing. We get caught up on like what can be done without realizing who you actually are. Like are you talking about who, your boyfriend mm. or Rob? The person with this convertible, it's like, look, <laughs> we know what the truth is. So why are we gonna pretend? You know what I mean? It's like it's fun to pretend, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Janet, whenever we have, like, another Rob's rabbit hole, which is not an official podcast series, but I feel like <laughs> we've essentially had an ongoing series with nested within our podcast, I think we need you here. I think, we like... Oh, yeah. You're an important voice. Um, the next time we're, like, looking at some speakers or something like that, we're, but, we oh, need... Mm -hmm. Hang on. I am just going to say... Yeah? There are times, though, I still end up in a place where I'm, like... Man, that Pac-Man cabinet was a mistake. But look at it over there. That's my Pac-Man <laughs> cabinet. Exactly. And there's just a little, there's a little ember of warmth toward that. And I'm like, it's like hey. And someday I'll be in a bigger place. I, bro, we started and, H away specifically because you won't. <laughs> well, I don't look, I, I wasn't dumb enough to buy a Pac-Man machine. This is Next time, when you come visit LA, you know what? You can't play it. You're not invited. You know, everyone <laughs> yeah. else gets a turn. Get your ass watch. over there, Rob. Go play that machine. Um, yeah. Can I get past the second board? No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> but this is how I I'm going to get. If blocking a closet would level. be annoying. That I would want that That's closet access. It's like that no space be... to go. And it's like, but what am I going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It lives with me now. Well, it's you're like in LA. Uh, if you can wrestle it out to the curb streets will take care of it but then i don't have it anymore you know? like i want it mm -hmm. and i want to be the person yeah. that uses it yes and right now yes. i can like the beauty of having something that you that is like idiotic and not useful and that you're not really using it's like maybe one day i can be that person you know what i mean i look over there and i see who i could be instead of this looking is, over like, here is, where i see who i am <laughs> i don't like it over here i like looking over there We've been slowly whittling down our book collection over the years. Mm. And it's a ton of books we bought in bookstores over the years and never fucking read. Because, like, yeah. 
it was like this oh this looks like such a good read and it's like you realize sitting in the bookstore is like the most focused reading time you've had in like a year and you're like oh man it's just here in my cozy little book bookstore my cup of coffee surely this vibe will transport home with me mm-hmm. with this book and i will continue to read and enjoy it and instead what happens is like onto the dining room table with you yeah goodbye forever that's why I've started going into the like trying to utilize the library because I still don't read, yeah. but now it doesn't cost me anything. Right. <laughs> it's like I've checked out probably 10 books so far at the L.A. library. I've read part of the intro to one of the books. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, OK, that that's it. Like, you know, they've and then too, they got real late fees here. So it's like they're all they're overdue. They're unread. Eventually, I just guilt turn them back. But the hack I'm going to do for that, because you nailed it, Rob, where it's like when you're in there, you're like a different person. You're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm 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 Socratic when I'm in like surrounded by books. And then I go home and I'm dumb and I'm on my phone. You know, I'm not reading anything. I'm not reading anything. Um, so I'm going to try to start reading when I'm at the library. And it's like, OK, pick pick a book. So I, I get at least the momentum going. And I'm hoping that. Will put me over the edge, yeah. But probably not. Can I can I show you? I, I'm I'm not. I okay. I'm just gonna click a link. So a friend of mine sent this to me, and I was like, "Oh my god, this would look amazing in a garage." I'm and scared. this is like the equivalent of the Pac-Man machine in, in many ways. Um, Whoa! It's this thing's called the Polycade. Oh, Lux. I mean that doesn't take up any space at all. <laughs> it's fine. Well, there's one that's you on can, a stand. You get there's like five of those. Can, it's like mouse on a wall. I want to line up the arcade machines and have a mini car. And you're gonna line them up at five thousand dollars a pop. Uh huh. Yeah. Oof. But it looks gorgeous. That's a little worse than the Miss Pac Man machine. It's a little worse. Like, but I, ten I, times. Uh, but ten times the. But it's also ten times the functionality. Yeah, it's, I want You can this. connect Steam to it. Like, it has its own arcade platform. You know, I'm sure you can. Another place to not play my games. That's the thing that I keep seeing out. Like, is anyone else going to buy that PlayStation Portal just to not play games on it? Because I kind of want to, and I hate that I do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Last thing I'll say to this this email specifically, uh, as far as like the person looking at those used Corvettes and being like, "This is so cheap. This has got to be a bad decision." So. I was I was partaking of a Doug DeMuro video the other day, and he addressed this this very problem. Now, admittedly, his business is selling used cars effectively, so he does have a vested interest in being like, "Go on, slugger, buy that, buy that car." But it tracks largely with what I've heard as well. The used car market is kind of a thing where, like, the entire thing is influenced by how many of these things were bought, and then what condition were they kept in, and then how common are cars in in this condition. Like, that's the you know it's the basic function of a market, and that's that's what's going on. One of the reasons Corvettes are cheap is because they sold a lot of Corvettes in the 90s. And the joke was always you pull up next to a Corvette and you see an old man in it. Middle-aged, like it's the middle, middle-aged crisis car. And then because those cars weren't particularly practical or amazing to drive, and also because they're like the, the precious like fetish object of their rapidly aging owners, they tended to sit in garages and get brought out like, you know, a couple months in the summer and then not do a whole lot. So the odds are those like Corvettes from the nineties, you find one and it's like weirdly cheap. I think that's in part because like, they're just not very valuable cars. They're just not. Uh, so it might be fine. Like you might be able to pick up 
a cool pink Corvette for 16 grand and drive, you know, drive PCH. Enjoy it. Uh, you know, and then and then even if it is, even if it is a Miss Pac-Man cabinet. Just like the Miss Pac-Man cabinet, you can look at that thing in your driveway and be like, I'm that person. Yeah, I've got my pink Corvette. <laughs> you might wish kind of you hadn't done that, but but you'll still be the person. It's like, what a cool accessory I've got to my life. Yeah. It's Go for it. That's that, that's trinket. what I say. <laughs> it's a really big trinket. It's a big trinket. But like, it is. A, you know, it is if you can trinket. make it, I don't work, know that I. If you don't mind it blocking your metaphorical yeah. closet, then you know. I probably live your life. I probably wouldn't sell a practical car with good reliability to make this happen. Like I probably wouldn't like yeah. transition from like, here's my practical like hauler. I want this trinket now. Probably wouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, this, this would have this to be like be throw like, away money. Like it's like I, I know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And then that's OK. But like trying to make it happen is probably a, a stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the flip side, though, is like. It's probably not going to depreciate a ton more at this point. Like all the depreciation has happened. So like assuming you don't like drive it off a cliff on the PCH. On the PCH. On the PCH you, that's you a have bigger problems. Mm. Oh, it's actually a risk. <laughs> assuming no cliffs, no landslides. Uh, you know, you might be able to be like have a couple summers of fun with that car. And then sell it, you know, sell it on the next person and, you know, it nets out to to reasonable value. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a big trinket, but I I do understand the appeal. And the, I am somebody who like I'm flying out to the West Coast soon uh, for a friend's wedding. And every time I go out to the go out to the West Coast, I have this thought where it's like, you know, the, the I'm, I'm seeing like the thing is in the Bay Area. I'm seeing a friend in Portland. And every time something like this happens, I'm like, but what if I flew into L.A. or San Diego, rented a cool car and drove up the coast? And that's a terrible idea. But every <laughs> it's time a scary drive. I, I don't I drive, but we drove up the we did the I forgot the name of the the highway, but it's like the one maybe. I don't know. Like yeah, when you one. go up. Yes. The, yeah. You go up the coast. Beautiful. Scary. So sc- like it was like an hour straight. Of cosmic horror, of <laughs> winding the the winding road, like it was. Imagine a really, doing really... that with a U-Haul. I it, did that. Oh my god! Really? By myself no. at night in the fog. Wait, no. <laughs> Why did I'm curious? Because because my understanding is the issue with one. The reason it doesn't get used that often anymore is because like all the inland highways, uh, interstates are faster. And yeah, could you go up somewhere else? And like, yeah, I, I did yeah, mostly the there. And then, twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so you there, like yeah, did this to yourself, but you want for, the pay. partially. Well, it was like it wasn't the entire drive. I was on the highway for the majority. It was still dark in in the fog, but then at a certain point, I had to. Get, I don't know. I had to get on some part of that and experience part of it. And it's a uh, yeah, it's a, it's a harrowing drive. If you've never been on one of those, like you're used to seeing like cliffside uh, shots in in films, and yeah. then you've got to do it yourself, and mm, overrated. <laughs> But it yeah. is fun. It's worth doing once, is, is what I would say. I agree. It's called it the really one pretty. for a reason. It's worth doing once to experience, and then <laughs> let your memories bubble. Yeah. Uh, 
all right i think we we can we can leave it there uh for for now we'll be back next week with more further discussion of like alan wake there's most stuff i've been playing that i just haven't uh had time to get into today uh you know next time but people can write in about games they can do it <laughs> they don't have to write in about how badly Patrick fucked up that customer service survey uh, at a car dealership months ago. Like, Aww. believe me, folks, Patrick feels sufficiently bad about it. You can yeah, stop don't. emailing. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, can. Yeah. Oh, Patrick, you can you stop fun- telling Patrick. By the way, you know you destroyed that man's uh, take-home pay for a month, right? Like, you, you yep. you're aware of that. Patrick's aware. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm aware. Do I'm we? Aware. Do we want to institute? What, Kato? Sorry, I was thinking... Uh, no, anything but talking about how I, like, <laughs> fucked up a guy's salary for months oh, on end. Oh, God. Um, do we want to institute a, a, a subject line, given that there's different buckets now? Like, put- uh, People essentially do. With HOA do. and sports require a okay. subject line, okay. and then anything else is... It's taking me, like, 30 seconds to sort it. It's, okay, like, it's very, it's very fast, yeah. very fine. Yeah, no, and also, you can doing- usually tell from the, from the greeting... <laughs> which what people are, are sorting into so yeah it's just like everyone you know say anything about games feel like yeah that's fine that's cool say something about like so i was looking at dining room tables thousand people are gonna email be like let me tell you about some dining room tables and <laughs> hell I'm, yeah i'm here for it because actually this is one of my big problems the mm-hmm. dining room table how to make it not a pile of storage for shit you know what i mean like that's the real problem is like any like you get a I, new how do pile I, of storage. How do I? That's pardon? the hack. You get it. It's just a new place because my pile of storage <laughs> mm. that I should just throw away is this. Like we bought this coffee thing. It's like a little um, kind of like not a nook, but it's like a little bar. Like it sits like underneath the windowsill and it has like stools, like a little coffee it, you know, station. Like if you were in yeah, office. yeah, yeah. Like when yeah. you like walk into like a coffee shop, how they have the ones at the window. We have one of those. And at the time for the old apartment, it made a lot of sense and we used it a lot because we had a lot of people. So like, oh, more seating, like you can sit here. It's like whatever. The window looks out and you can see like the mountains while now the window looks out and you can see my neighbors walking across, which is not my favorite, <laughs> you know, like in, in cement. Um, we still have it and we just put stuff on it. So I'm like, we should probably just throw this away because we just fill it with garbage. So I think a different drop station because my dining table doesn't have stuff all over it anymore but that's because i just migrated where the stuff goes yeah the problem is just it's such a big empty flat space where you can put mail and of course there's the mail that like should be thrown away but maybe there's some important mail lurking in there but then there's also bags from shopping and things for pets and just like bit by bit you're like i don't have a table anymore i have like a giant shelf in the middle of my room that requires like 20 minutes to clear uh ever use it as a table and so I'm just curious, like, yeah, how how have people is it just is it, is it just inherent to a smaller place that like there's going to be some sort of flat surface that is just going to be used as a dumping ground for for all your sins <laughs> or yeah, some there people. will be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just need yeah. you need discipline, which I hate to tell you because you probably already know that. Um, and that's the thing that I've been avoiding trying to attain for a while. I'm like, maybe I can, or I need if, a new if system. If I bought a nice table, yeah. See, this is the but this is like also, maybe I, I can buy my you, way out of this problem by buying something. If you a buy tool. the right table, yes, <laughs> it will encourage you to be like, hey, mm-hmm. try being a different person. This is like when I was thinking like, about I like, <laughs> what if I had like a smart water bottle? And I'm like, that's not what's stopping me from drinking water. I just don't want to drink it. <laughs> 
is maybe, like, maybe Janet. Jan- I don't think Janet's going to be helpful when we do one of these things with Rob. I think, I think you know just, what? I think Janet's fitting in just fine. Here's Patrick. the thing, Rob. I, I, think I me and Rob have been down with the same sickness, and like we have learned Oof. how to. It's not about getting better. It's about learning how to live with the affliction. That's the thing. Like <laughs> we're not going to be better, but we can start to walk towards there. But I bought a magazine rack. I'm still not hydrating enough, but maybe this water bottle will like remind me. Exactly. But but also, I didn't buy it. I have my old one and I'm trying. I'm trying to to be who I can be if I just actually did the thing. But doing the thing is not interesting. Planning to do the thing is a lot more appealing to me. Like, let's sit down, hash it all out. Go to sleep, do the same shit tomorrow. But yes. Platinum Spider Man 2. Easy, easy shit. Yeah. Drinking water. Couldn't be me. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Oh, man. Like a year ago, I got really high after a conversation, like a high, high off of a conversation with Patrick, mm. where I was like, I'm going to put all these like infrequently but important like house chores, I'm going to put them in a Google calendar and like have ah, reminders come on, yeah. like, do this. Mm-hmm. And so every every like six weeks or so, it's like, hey, sharpen those knives. And I'm like, maybe next month. But in the meantime, <laughs> I haven't sliced the shit out of my hand oh. lately. So I think we're good to keep rolling those dice. Yeah, man. Kicking, kicking it down the curb, you know? God, it's just like. I need to sit at the kitchen. I need to sit at the dining room table yeah. with the sh- with the whetstones and do the thing. But of course, cleaning the cleaning the table, it couldn't possibly be done. What I should just do is throw out the knives. No, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, throw I, out the knives. Like, maybe if I had is better it, knives, I'd be more doing... incentivized to take care of them. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Get ex- knives that are so expensive that you feel less bad taking them to a place to get sharpened professionally. <laughs> <laughs> it's too expensive yeah, to just pass, throw these I, out <laughs> I just pass that task off to my partner so I only have like a few tasks I really need to do yep. so I'm like I just really have to like do this one or two things really well and everything else will get done because that's the agreement we have and that's just that's the only thing that's keeping me going like I had a week without my yeah. partner and I'm like life is so much harder now and I'm like falling into I'm falling into chaos assignments yeah assignments yeah help. yeah a more neurotypical uh, uh, partner right. helps. <laughs> well, or at least I don't know more neurotypical. He's getting things done. <laughs> hey, he's doing uh, better than me, but long, I don't know if that's the yeah, line yeah. we want to have. No, that's the only reason. As my long as the weaknesses isn't. are on different axes, that's a good thing. Yeah, there yeah, you go. that's the thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And like together, we only have to be one person. I think. <laughs> I think we might have it. I think we might have it. And on that note, that will conclude another episode of Remap Radio. Uh, our theme song is, well, I think this this week, I think it's it's a new theme song. I don't think we titled it. It's just the Remap Radio theme song by Too Mellow. Uh, you can check out his work on twomellowmakes.bandcamp.com, well, I guess, for as long as we have Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, isn't that kind of in trouble right now? Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, should... not great alternatives. Yeah. So that's like the it's the, the worst of all worlds. Bandcamp was the alternative. Bandcamp <laughs> yeah, was the no, no, no. business getting fucked up eight ways to Sunday. God. Bandcamp's here. It's gonna it's gonna like be you there. Know what? Like Actually, direct marketing, like good What we need to do is just start shouting out Tumelo has a, a website, Tumelo.net. Go find all of his music there. He'll he'll okay. fix the links on the back end if it goes to the bank, but Tumelo.net. 
the number two. You know what? dot net. Yeah. All right. There we go. He's got the answer for us already. And you can follow everything we do at uh, Remap Radio on Twitch, Blue Sky, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. We're we're everywhere. And once again, we rely on our audience for support. And you can sign up uh, to become a backer by going to RemapRadio.com, now a website, and following <laughs> the links and instructions you see there. Or maybe you just want to read some articles. Or maybe you're like, man, if only these articles could come straight to my inbox. That can You can have that, too. You can have it all at RemapRadio.com. Uh, this week, let's see, uh, what did we have on Patreon? Uh, what do, what do we have for backers <laughs> this week? Uh, on backers, uh, well, we had the, the letter series night shifts, uh, that, that you and yes. I did Rob, um, we've brought back, uh, waypoints letter series, which was often kind of gaming focused. Like we've talked about, like I remember when Red Dead Redemption two came out, it was me and Rob and Austin going back and forth about our thoughts on that game. Uh, Rob and I did one about like the proposed acquisition of uh, Activision Blizzard by Microsoft. Basically, it's like, I think I described it in the intro as like, it's more than a podcast, less than an essay. And, but um, <laughs> yeah. somewhere in between those two things. It's 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 a, it's a fun format. Uh, and we'll still have ones that are about games. But in this case, we're trying to stretch what's the definition of <laughs> content, as we're always doing <laughs> here at Remat. Like, what will our audience also put up with and in this case it's uh rob rob getting uh the new puppy tilly and sort of an extension of conversation we had on the podcast about how much it reminded me of having like really young children um like the staying up late like the complete upheaval of your life the was this a good decision sure doesn't feel like it right now like (laughs) hopefully that's different in six months uh and you know we kind of go back and forth uh, about that and the and and frankly some of the different coping mechanisms that I've used with my wife as we've raised our kids and to see if I don't know Rob can you what if you just got a really big crate and you and you slept in there with Tilly like would that solve would that solve your problem like <laughs> it's like the dining room table um so people can read that uh if you are a uh foundation or uh as of next week November 1st library tier uh subscriber uh to remap uh radio.com that's right the we're running out of time to get those foundation memberships uh and then and then you'll be with the the johnny come latelys uh, we should be yeah, so, we should be so, like really clear about that because like that is like but that by the time we put out a next remap radio that time will have passed which is basically foundation, foundation tier, will be set the foundation will be set <clears throat> uh it's not going away as much as we're locking in if you Foundation is what let us build this business, what is allow us to be here doing this and doing things like, hey, we're going to do an indulgent letter series about our dogs and children. And I think our audience is going to really like it. And that's because of folks that subscribed to the foundation tier earlier this summer. That is $10 a month. You can lock in that rate, be part of the foundation tier between now and November 1st. Um, after that, the foundation tier sticks around. You get to keep that. You get everything that we do. You get everything we do without ads. But then for newcomers, if you're upgrading or subscribing for the first time, that becomes the library tier because that's it goes from ten to twelve dollars a month. And the reason for that is because we are in order to do writing, in order to pay freelancers good rates, in order to pay podcasters good rates to come on this podcast. Like we are, like that's why the money is changing up a little bit. And so. We're, yeah. we're letting you get in while the going is hot if you want to lock in that, that rate. Um, but that'll that'll all change over on November 1st. 
Uh, and next week we will have a new HOA uh, for you. We're recording it uh, late, later this week. So uh, keep, an, keep an ear out for that. And hey, your support also lets us set time aside for streaming. Uh, this week, what do we have, Patrick? Uh, let's see. Kato and I debuted a new series, uh, The Wheel of Shame, uh, which was basically brought, we brought the wheel back, our, our favorite friend, the wheel, uh, to determine. But now with what more game- Catholic guilt. Exactly. Um, you know, there's all sorts of games that I started and then put down or haven't started and wanted to find time for. And, you know, all of a sudden it's three months later. It's not as relevant for the podcast, yada, yada, yada. This was an opportunity to play, uh, you know, games like uh, Leica and uh, Mortal Kombat 1. Uh, and uh, what else did we play? Oh, uh, like it was apparently it's like Nourish. Nour. It's like a play with your food game yeah. for the for the PlayStation. Um, and then what was that? We did four, right? Like, what what like am I a, missing? Nour. Leica, Nour, Mortal Kombat Mortal 1. Mortal Kombat 1. Am I missing one? Maybe it was just three. Anyway, <laughs> regardless, the wheel spins. We play for 30 minutes and then we go on to another one. In future installments, we may extend that out to like an hour so I can make real. Like we <laughs> played Mortal Kombat and it's like, cool, you did the tutorial in one fight. Yeah. Well, your 30 minutes are up. It's like, oh, okay. oh uh, so El Paso elsewhere. Yeah, yes. Yeah, El Paso elsewhere. Um, the Xavier uh, Nelson Jr. game. Um, so, yeah, really fun. That's up there. And then on Friday, or as you're listening to this, Kato and I may be streaming uh, some of the Mortuary Assistant, which is the game that uh, Carly Veloci uh, had uh, uh, delightfully <laughs> endorsed uh, on previous episodes of this podcast. Spooky and now time. with like Halloween coming up right around the corner, we're going to we're going to check it out for ourselves. So uh, feel free to tune in at twitch.tv slash remap radio to see what we're up to there. All right, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Remap Radio. Until then, thanks so much for choosing to spend some of your time with us, and fuck capitalism, go home. Go home.